Welcome to the WinFL Show. Welcome to the Outer Hebrides. This is the WinFL Show. I'm your host, Ian McKinnon, and I am joined this week by Jake McGee. Good evening. Good evening. And by Dave Somerville. I'm second on the list today for introductions. That's, that's a turn I've of face. enough. Wow. <laughs> wow. Listen, Dave, honestly, after this week's results, or the past couple of weeks' results, I think you going after Jake's not a bad thing, right? I'll take it. Yeah. I don't mind. So, gentlemen, um, week 13 is now done. And uh, once again, the playoff race got a little bit... It didn't get sorted out. Because, if anything, the playoff race got a whole lot closer. Uh, in both conferences, after week 13, we're not seeing any separation, really. Particularly in the AFC, it's still completely up for grabs. Uh, but we're going to jump right in. We have our week 13 uh, recap. We then have our Winifel Awards. We've got our week 14 preview and then of course we're going to finish off with random stats and we are starting we are starting gentlemen at AT&T Stadium Jerry World where the Seattle Seahawks are visiting the Dallas Cowboys in front of 93,367 fans who watched the Cowboys rack up 41 points the Seattle Seahawks put up 35 it was not enough um, the scoring in this one Brandon Aubrey started with a 30 yard field goal for the Cowboys 3-0 DK Metcalf then had a 73 yard touchdown pass from Geno Smith to go up 7-3 um, CD Lamb then caught a 15-yard pass from Dak Prescott, the first of two um, touchdowns that he had back-to-back there. The other one went to Brandon Cooks. It was 17-7 up. Um, and then, just as time was expiring in the first half, DK Metcalf caught out another pass, uh, second of the game from Geno Smith. It was 21-20 Seattle going into the half. Geno Smith then runs one in. Tony Pollard returns the favour by running one in for Dallas. DK Metcalf catches his third touchdown pass, this time a three-yarder, make it 35-27 Seattle. Brandon Aubrey knocks in a 38-yard field goal to make it 35-30. And then Jake Ferguson and uh, Jake, I, I know you like your Jakes. He had a good one here. 12-yard pass from from Dak Prescott. Uh, Brandon Cooks got the two-point conversion. And then Brandon Aubrey finished the scoring with a Field goal of 32 yards with 143 to go 41-35 to Dallas. This was a, a really good game, especially from a neutral point of view. It was an excellent game. You look at some of the stats. Geno Smith, 23 of 41, 334 yards, three touchdowns, one pick. Um, G.K. Metcalf, as I mentioned, he went six for 134 and three touchdowns. On the other side, Dak Prescott, 29 of 41, 299 yards, three picks, no interceptions. He had a rating of 115.8. C.D. Lamb, another monster game for him with 116 yards and a touchdown. As well as the aforementioned Jake Ferguson. So, gentlemen, this was another game by Dallas um, that I think, although the score was close, I think it may have maybe not silenced, but quietened a few of the doubters about the Cowboys not being able to beat teams with winning records. Because they did. They beat the Seahawks. Seahawks now fall to 6-6. Six and six. Dallas Cowboys are up to 9-3. and three. And as we will find out later on, this has huge implications the NFC playoff race. Jake, I'm going to throw this one over to you very quickly. Um, the Dallas Cowboys, as I say, they're beating a good team now. 
everyone's been making excuses for why they're not going to win the NFC this year, uh, myself included. <laughs> Sorry, Tim. Um, but what do you think about this Dallas Cowboys team? The, the defense got gashed a few times by Seattle, but the offense continues to roll on. What do you make of them? Well, I'll tell you what, if they get the number one seed somehow, some way, watch out, because that's 14 straight at home. If they can somehow sneak the number one seed and, and have every playoff game at Jerry's World, can they be stopped? Uh, this was the, the fifth game in history since 1960 with zero punts. Uh, Brandon Aubrey, despite being 28, has now had 26 consecutive field goals to start a career. It's an NFL rookie record, like I say, despite him being my age. He is he's a rookie. A, he's a rookie. Um He's a rookie, yeah. I think he was playing soccer before this. Ah, right, um, gotcha. And then for the, the Seahawks, they'd gone 20 consecutive possessions without an offensive touchdown and then scored five of their first seven. And it wasn't enough. And I spoke a few weeks ago about the brutal kind of run the, the Seahawks had with the 49ers, Cowboys. I think they play the 49ers again. And then I think they play the Eagles, I'm pretty sure. that Their, their run is brutal and their season is coming kind of crashing down at the worst kind of time yeah you did mention that the the, the seahawks uh dave i know you don't particularly like the seahawks obviously nfc east team but i just want to get your opinion on them because they are six and six they're by no means out of the playoff race um was this game sort of a sign that do you know what dallas had a very good team we ran them really really close we can beat teams or do you think this was more a case of they they sort of performed overperformed on the day because DK Metcalf had his first sort of big game in a long time. Um, we know he's very talented, but he's really not produced to the level that a lot of people were expecting this year. What do you make of the Seahawks team? Um, yeah, I mean the offense were amazing. I think in fairness to them, the the Seahawks offense really stepped up. I think um, both teams were not fantastic on defense in this one but i think it does show that the seahawks are fighting um which is not something i really wanted to say but they definitely are um and you know like you were saying uh, both quarterbacks in this game had three touchdowns each but they're the one mark uh between the two is there was one pick and who else would would pick it deron bland of course he was going to get a pick in this game he didn't quite return it for six uh, in fact, he didn't return it for anything, but you know he still picked it off, and at the same time, he was getting, he was getting torched before that, though. <laughs> it, it, yeah, well, 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 we don't we, we don't need to talk about that part. But, well, <laughs> do, yeah. do, do you know something? Just, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I, no, I do no. apologize, but it it almost reminds me of um, Trayvon Diggs's year where he had what was it he led the league with like 11, 12 interceptions that year. Yeah, but like gave that. up the most yards in the league and yep. like the most touchdowns in the league. And if well, is, so yeah. he was getting thrown at forty times a game. It's no no wonder they let the league in into. Well, I'm not saying that. I mean, about it on Bland, no. obviously, but uh, yeah. But see, with the Seahawks, uh, what Gino was doing. I mean, he threw twenty seven times in this game to his three wide receivers: uh, DK, Tyler Locker, and Jackson Smith and Jigba. He threw he, that. That's a heck of a lot. That you know, and uh, he, he he was he was targeting pr- pretty evenly as well. So the plan of attack for the Seahawks was to throw it and go to their wide receivers. Um, when they were running it, they only had Zach Charbonnet. I mean, they're pretty. Uh, that their injury room is pretty full with the running backs at the moment. 
Uh, so Charbonnet was 19 carries for 60 yards. But look, take, take nothing away from the Seahawks' efforts. Uh, you know, credit where credit's due. They, they, had, they, they have given themselves a fighting chance with this performance because they can take a lot of positives from this. Um, I think it's just a case of they came up against a team like Dallas, which is very unfortunate uh, for them, maybe, uh, well, uh, fortunate for everyone else uh, in the NFC. Um, but yeah, it's it's um, it's going to be an interesting one. The season's by far not over. Um, but like you were saying uh, with Dallas, it's got serious playoff implications. Um, maybe in other ways as well, which might come to later. Yeah, now... The thing is, Dallas Cowboys are currently the fifth seed in the NFC. If if it ended today, they'd be the fifth seed, number one wild card spot with a nine and three record. Um, they're actually behind the Atlanta Falcons with a six and six record. <laughs> you know, really That's a joke. That's uh, an absolute joke. The Seattle Seahawks are currently ninth um, due to head to heads uh, with the Rams. So they're six and six. Yes, the Rams are. are six and six. The Packers are six and six. The Vikings are six and six. Who currently have the sixth seed? Uh, Packers with the seventh seed, and the aforementioned Atlanta Falcons have the fourth seed by virtue of their division um, at six and six. Anything can change behind the Seahawks. You got Tampa Bay and New Orleans just sitting there, one game behind all these six and six teams. It's very, very close in the NFC there. Um, so yeah. All to play for. But gentlemen, we are going to move on and we come to the Atlanta Falcons, as I mentioned already, um, and the New York Jets at MetLife Stadium in New Jersey in front of 74,455 fans. And this game wasn't exactly um, an offensive explosion of points like the the Dallas-Seattle one was. This one finished 13-8 to Atlanta wasn't the best game to watch but Dave uh this was your game I'm gonna hand over to you you can talk us through what scoring there was and tell us what you thought of this game I'm gonna almost give a return to sender on you sending this over to me because this this was just an awful game I'm afraid to say um but yeah I mean the the first quarter it ended with uh, a safety, which was probably the most exciting part of the entire game um, with uh, Bijan Robinson. He was tackled in the end zone by Quinn and Williams. Uh, and I think the edge rusher is called Davis. Uh, I can't remember his first name, but uh, basically they just they, they pushed right through that offensive line. And um, in the end, Bijan Robinson fell over or bumped into his own offensive lineman uh, before Quinn and Williams and Davis tackled him. Um into the second quarter, obviously 2-0. Uh, you're thinking, oh, maybe it's got a unique score coming here, but oh, not quite. Um, because uh, I think it was a 20-yard pass from Desmond Ridder uh, to make it 7 points to 2 before Greg Zerline made it 7 points to 5. So, uh, 8 points to 5, sorry. No, 7 points to 5, yeah, I'm right. Um, and then it ended up being 10 points to 5 as Young Ho Koo, my favourite kicker in the league, getting a 22-yard field goal just before half-time. Uh, and then there was just a field goal each in the third quarter before a scoreless uh, fourth quarter, which is what we always love to see, not. Um, a few takeaways from the game, though, that there was a, com- a combined amount of seven fumbles in this game, and uh, including a very costly one from Dalvin Cook, um, which is not something you see every day, but it it was just a, a, a practice, um, maybe from Dalvin Cook. But you know, obviously, 
the quarterback play, we had uh, Tim Boylan, uh, which was just a calamity. I'm, I'm probably going to be um, hearing in my sleep. Uh, Boyle, incomplete. So that, that was quite a common theme of the entire game. Um, and he was brought out for Trevor Simeon, who could do just do absolutely... He, he had one good play, I think one good throw for about 20 yards and could do absolutely nothing else for the rest of the time. Um, between two of them, they were all sacked four times. Um, Desmond Ritter was absolutely awful. This is some of the worst quarterback play I've ever seen in the NFL between those two teams. Uh, he was 12 of 27 for 121 yards. He got the touchdown, which basically his only reason his rating wasn't absolutely diabolical, which in fairness, it was only it was 70. Um, the Falcons tried to get back to the run game a lot more, which in fairness, that that's again what I've been calling for for months, if not 18 months while we've been doing this podcast. Um, Bijan Robinson, 18 carries, 53 yards. He got one good one for about 12 yards and the rest of the time, the Jets, that Jets defense is just they're holding that team together completely. Um, without them, the, the Jets should be 0-12, like, without question. Uh, Tal Algier, 8 for 26. There wasn't a whole lot, to be honest. Cal Pitts finally appeared this season, but he was getting targeted a lot by Desmond Ritter, so he was 4 for 51. Apart from that, it was what, it was a, a dull, dull game. It was just awful to watch, I'm afraid. But... Uh, yeah, I think this is the start of the curse of the person who picks the games of of who we're reviewing. So, uh, yeah, th- this is my own fault for picking this one. So, yeah, back to you guys because I've had enough of this game already. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, it, it it wasn't great, Jake. Um, couple of things. We've seen some games this year that have been like offensive masterclasses and offensive <laughs> explosions, and we've had so many games this year and i don't know if it's just recency bias but doesn't it feel like this year we've had some of the worst games of offensive football that i've seen in years um zach wilson is now confirmed as the starter for the remainder of the season but you're thinking why what i don't know jake have you can you make any sense of this at all anything please the, the kind of only positive is that Tim Ball's now gone back to selling insurance, probably, and hopefully <laughs> the last time we, we see him, um, that's six drives that went for six yards or less. Um, like I said, Jets had eight penalties in the first half. They had four penalties in the last two minutes. They went four for 56 in penalties in the last two minutes. Um, and kind of bright spark for the Falcons was it's the fifth interception for Jesse Bates. But yeah, that was, it was a dire game. Um, and yeah, Dave was very harsh for himself this week. If you look at the games he's covering, <laughs> he was indeed. We'll be talking about that later, definitely. Uh, we we already mentioned Tim Boyle was. You know, we wondered why the Jets picked him up, and we knew it wasn't going to work. Um, and he was in a terrible position anyway. You know, it's not like he was. He, yeah, he, yeah. I mean, he's coming to a really bad offensive line. I mean, this offensive line just looks awful for the Jets. I'm I'm really surprised at how bad it's looked really surprised to how just utterly incompetent this this offensive line appears to be i mean dave do you have anything else to add before we move on we should move on quickly from this one oh yeah yeah, don't worry i will move on very very quickly um but just to say look tim what the performance of tim boyle um put in is not reflected in his box score because he was 14 or 25 for 148 yards and that doesn't look too terrible 
the problem is is that a couple of them he was lucky to even get um, because Garrett Wilson made a couple of good, very good catches, um, uh, as did Xavier Gibson. But apart from that, he just he, he couldn't find anyone. He, he, he was he was struggling quite a lot at uh, the time. Um, I think that some of the Jets' play calling was a bit questionable as well. So I'm wondering, are these two coaches that uh, that we'll see next season? I well, we we mentioned that the, the chances of Salah losing his job. Uh, this year not sure what's going to happen with that one but we are going Uh to move on gentlemen and we come to thankfully a good game (laughs) the (laughs) indianapolis colts versus the tennessee titans and what a game it was with the colts prevailing right at the end 31 28 but that scoreline tells us nothing nothing about this game that the 62,641 fans who are packed into nissan stadium watched jake this was your game, and oh my, was it a humdinger. Oh yes, I'm here to tell you everything about this game. It starts with the Nashville streak is no more. The, the Colts have won four straight and swept the Titans for the first time since 2018. Uh, as you've alluded to, this game had it all. It had block punts, plural, uh, a missed extra point, uh, an interception fumble caused by and recovered by the quarterback, I picked two, and both teams scoring in overtime. It was a masterclass in disaster. Um, it began with Henry breaking the Titans' unwanted 15-game opening drives without a touchdown. Uh, this was quickly cancelled out. There was a nice return from Isaiah McKenzie, and three plays 56 yards later, Alex Pierce scored his first touchdown of the season. Um, then we had that uh, aforementioned interception that uh, Will Levis didn't rest on his laurels. He hustled down and forced the fumble and recovered the fumble, which probably going to earn him like a middle linebacker card in Madden somehow. Um, it was insane. He somehow, the result of that play was a first down. Um, they, they had three points on that. Uh, King Henry got his second touchdown, and it was 17-7 to the Titans, looking comfortable. The Colts had a field goal. Uh, with two minutes left, they should have had way more. Uh, but a sloppy and costly fumble from Minshew. Um, and they had to settle for another field goal slightly later. So it's 13-17 at half. Been a, an interesting first half. But the second half was where it got really funky. Uh, there was a blocked punt uh, for a touchdown. They then went for two, but threw a pick two. So 16-17 all of a sudden became 22-19 somehow after a punt try and make heads and tails of that uh, there was another huge special teams play on a punt where the titans punter stonehouse got absolutely obliterated um, but the titans defense even starting on their own seven held firm and stopped indianapolis just for a field goal so at this point it's 25 19 the titans respond with an 11 play 75 yard drive it was then spoiled because the backup holder for the extra point was Ryan Tannehill and this led to a missed extra point so it's Ryan Tannehill can't hurt his team at quarterback anymore decided to hurt them being the, the holder so if you're keeping along at home we are now tied at 25 the game ends with four punts and we go to overtime the Titans win the toss they manage a field goal sometimes that's enough sometimes it's not in this case the Colts knew they had to score they marched on the field after a huge completion to Pierce and a walk-off Pittman touchdown. This game was 
bonkers. It absolutely was bonkers. Uh, Dave, I don't know if you watched this one. Um, it was it was hard to keep track of what was going on sometimes. <laughs> you know, as Jake said, it, it was it was uh, sixteen. What was it? Was it sixteen seventeen when they punted? Uh, sixteen seventeen, and then there was a punt, <clears throat> and it was twenty two nineteen. You know, and you're thinking, <laughs> well, what's, like, what's going on here? Um, Minshew played well in bits, but he oh he made some really costly mistakes in this game as well. But the Colts come away with a win, and almost like. When, when we think about the, the Colts, we look at them, and they, they're currently the seventh seed in the EFC. Um, mm. They've got tied tied record with Pittsburgh, Cleveland, and the Houston Texans, who we'll come to in a minute. Um, and they, they look like, if they're on their day, and they all, everything clicks together, they can beat you. But do you trust Gardner Minshew. I love Gardner Minshew. He's one of my favourite players in the league, but I don't trust him at all. Um, it's almost like apologies, Jake. It's almost a bit like Jameis Winston. Well, you know it's going to be exciting, but you're not sure about what the result's going to be. What do you think of that, Dave? I mean, first of all, I don't think apologies to Jake because I think that's just true. <laughs> you can't really... It's just true that Jameis is what... Uh, well, first of all, I think Jameis is one of the most exciting quarterbacks in the league, if not the most exciting quarterbacks in the league. Um... Uh, I mean, the, on the, the Saints the have the two most exciting quarterbacks in the league with Taysom Hill and Jameis uh, Winston. And we use the most missionary guy instead. <laughs> we'll get onto that later, unfortunately. Sorry, Dave. Can't I, I, I don't even know if I want to go too de- uh, deep into uh, the, the details of that one. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Garner Minshew here. He made some very questionable decisions, but as did Will Levis. It wasn't the best quarterback play by either player uh, within the game. I think the Titans should have won it because they go back to what they're good at and nearly racked up 200 yards on the ground, which is what they should have been doing. Um, and the Colts were having trouble uh, stopping uh, Tyler Spears and Derrick Henry. Um, but uh, Gardner Menchu, uh, he might get them to the playoffs. They won't get further than that. But uh, they'll, put, they'll they'll get probably. I think they might get to a wild card. Um, but yeah, they're they're not going to get further than that. Um, on the other side of the ball, you've got um, Will Levis, who's got DeAndre Hopkins, but for some reason kept missing him. Um, and yeah, he got he got a few completions to him, but again, kept missing him when he was throwing the ball. But yeah, the, this this game we don't we 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 could talk about this game the entire podcast. It, it was that exciting. It's what we love to see, and um, I'll. Be honest, I was hoping that there would be maybe a little bit of an upset in the Jets Falcons game, and I was going to get to uh, reports back onto the podcast with it. And the game I took out was this one, so <laughs> that is well and truly shot myself into so the, in the you, foot. You had here, a so. game, thanks, Dave. Th- oh, thanks, Dave. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> you had a game that had two blocked punts, and you swapped it for yep. a game that had fifteen punts. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't get any better but, uh, than that. I, and I, I won't i won't be taking any further questions but uh yeah well done to the colts that's that's about it and there we go spoiler so, alert. i was gonna say spoiler alert that wasn't even the game with the most punts yeah. um that's a little <laughs> teaser for a game going forward <laughs> yes, yes it is uh we are going to move on gentlemen we come to nrg stadium where the houston texans welcome the red hot denver broncos in front of 71,670 fans. 
and the Texans immediately jumped out to a 13 to nothing lead with um, just uh, two minutes gone in the second quarter when uh, Matt Amendola hit a 38 yard field goal, his second of the game, to take a 13 to nothing. Will Lutz responded with a 34 yard field goal to end the halftime 13 3 Houston. Um, Amendola then kicked a 38 yard field goal to make it 16 to 3. And at this point, I thought, wow. The Broncos really aren't having much luck here. Not much of a chance. And then Cortland Sutton, who once mm. again catches an incredible pass, a 45-yard touchdown, beats double coverage and pass interference to catch the pass. Uh, that made it 16-10. Nico Collins, who had a monster game, then caught a three-yard touchdown pass from CJ Stroud. They failed on the two-point conversion, 22-10. Russell Wilson then had a one-yard rush to make it 17-22 uh, with 12.04 to go. The Broncos had a couple of chances to uh, score late on and it came right down to the final play of the game when Russell Wilson was intercepted in the end zone. The Texans end the Broncos um, winning streak at 5, 22-17. It's the final score for Houston. There was loads going on in this game. It was a fun game, but I've got a couple of things that I want to talk about in particular about this game. Before I do that, just give you a, a few of the stats. Um, CJ Stroud in this game, 16 of 27, 274, one touchdown, no picks. He was sacked five times and he was actually knocked out of the game for one play. Uh, well, a couple of plays. Davis Mills came in. He went one of one for 18. So, you know, rating of 118.7. Not bad at all. Nico Collins, as I already mentioned, he had nine catches for 191 yards and one touchdown. Uh, on the other side of the ball, Russell Wilson, 20, uh, 15 and 26, 186, a touchdown, three interceptions in this game. It was a horrendous game. Probably the worst game Wilson's played this year himself. He did, he did not. He was throwing very ill-advised passes. Um, so anyway, a couple of things I wanted to talk about. I've been saying for weeks that Cortland Sutton is an absolute legend on this Broncos team. And they should do everything they can to keep him. And just, he's brilliant. This is, this remains the case. However, he had a drop <laughs> in the first quarter there two, actually, but one, which literally just landed on his hands and he dropped it. His touchdown reception was ten times more difficult. So I think maybe Russell should just throw it away from Cortland Sutton a wee bit because the other one was too easy. He was like, I can't catch this. It's not spectacular enough for me. Um, but I did notice Russell Wilson was trying to force it to Cortland Sutton. Two of his interceptions, he was trying to force it to Cortland Sutton. And it's just, you, you can't do that. Uh, the other thing that I noticed... This Texans team has speed on both sides of the ball. Oh my word, are they fast. I did not appreciate the speed, particularly on the defense. Derek Stingley Jr. had two interceptions in this game. He was flying all over the field. But Will Anderson, Will Anderson was everywhere. He wrecked this game. The Broncos couldn't do anything to slow this guy down. Um, as I said, uh, Nico Collins had a huge game, 191. But the Broncos didn't play that badly. I think the Texans played fantastically well. Now, I was going to, if this game hadn't gone the way it did, I was going to rag on the refs a little bit here. Because there was a, a missed uh, pass interference, another one in Cortland Sutton, which was missed, that I was quite annoyed about. And then there was a play, which I, we were talking about in the chat, where Alex Singleton comes clean through on C.J. Stroud. Uh, they blow the whistle. 
Singleton pushes Stroud. Stroud headbutts Singleton. Singleton gets flagged 15 yards. <laughs> and I'm going, how do you flag him for that? How? And, the, uh, and I was reading in this point. I was like, oh my word. The refs are at it again, trying to beat the Broncos. But then, Samaji Pirine <laughs> catches a swing. <laughs> you know what I'm going. Samaji Pirine catches a swing pass from Russell Wilson. Um, he gets hit. Ball comes out. Picked up by the Texans. Returned for a touchdown. And then, the refs see... Um, Forward progress was stopped and the whistle was blown and he's essentially down by contact. Dead ball. No fumble, no score for the Texans. And I, I watched it, uh, we, well, we all did, we watched uh, the replay. I went, was that the quickest whistle of all time, if that was the case? So I went back and watched it in real time. And it was the quickest whistle of all time. He literally catches the ball, gets hit, and and uh, you can see the, I, I forget if it's the, the, the line judge or the side judge, blowing the whistle, running onto the field. And you're like, he was still fighting for yardage. There was no way, especially this year, when we see, you know, uh, uh, scrums happening and players getting pushed forwards and backwards, trying to gain yards. Uh, he gets hit and the ref blows the whistle. <laughs> So they robbed Houston of a touchdown in this one. So I'm holding my hands up. I was going to rag on the refs, but Denver totally got away with that one. So I'm still ragging on the refs because it was a shocking call. Uh, but a great game from a neutral point of view. Uh, I'm not upset the Broncos. Well, I'm a little annoyed they lost it because they had a great chance to actually go into the, the playoff, uh, a seeded spot in the playoffs. Um, which they didn't manage with this loss because they, if they, if the Broncos had won this game, then they would have um, leapfrogged Houston, Indianapolis, and Cleveland. And I was just, I was really annoyed that they didn't do that. Uh, but um, Jake, as Houston is your sort of second team. So uh, what did you make of this game? It, by all accounts, even from a neutral point of view, I'm, I'm going to guess, this was an exciting game, one, right down to the wire. Oh, yeah, and most of the notes I, I have, you kind of covered, and it was a great game, like I mentioned. I had that P.R.I. one, that, that was unbelievable, but, I mean, like I say, <laughs> Derek Stringley Jr., Will Anson, the, these young players for the Texans really, really stepping up. Um, doesn't come without a price with Tank Dell, basically finished for the year. I, I don't know why he was that. in on that play. Mm. I, I don't know why he was in on that play. The, kind of one, another one of these scrums and kind of pushing forward and you've got your like five foot nine explosive wide receiver in there and he gets tangled up, um, done for the year. But Nico Collins, nine for 191 and uh, they've got Noah Brown. They've got, you know, they have weapons, but replacing Tank Dell uh, and, and, you know, going forward, looking towards the playoffs, that's, uh, it's not ideal kind of losing your, your number one target. Uh, no, it's not. Sartan got dinged up early in the game uh, before Tank Dell's injury. He did come back in. It clearly wasn't. He wasn't, he wasn't hobbling, but you could tell that he was not himself. Uh, but when Tank, because I was looking forward to seeing Sartan versus Dell all game, and it didn't happen uh, with Dell being injured. But you're right. On one of those um, brotherly shove plays in the goal line, trying to get you to go, why you've got someone who's smaller than me? trying to do it you're like you tell me you don't have a fullback you tell me you can't bring in another offensive lineman who declares eligible put him in as a fullback are you going to do that to push your quarterback just it doesn't make sense to me uh dave um the 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 tank dell injury is really really bad for houston but 
Nico Collins gets 191 yards a touchdown in this game. They're going to miss Dell down the stretch. In this game, they didn't. Down the stretch, they will. But as, as Jake rightly said, this defense for Houston, Will Anderson, oh my word. I, I was gobsmacked at how quick this guy is off the ball. Uh, off the snap, I should say. Um, in some ways, and at very high praise, he reminds me almost of a young Von Miller, the way he was coming off. It looked like he was offside half a dozen times, and he wasn't. He was just bang. As soon as the ball snapped, he was in the backfield. The way, the way that he attacks, um, like going uh, going towards the quarterback and attacks the kind of um, the pass protection is very similar to Aiden Hodgson. Um, the, the kind of wingspan, you don't know which way he's going to go but he's got electric speed around, around that edge. So, uh, yeah, Will Anderson had probably his best game of the year uh, against the Broncos. Um, Tank Dell, yeah, that, that's a massive loss. It's yeah. a massive loss. It, 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 he, he links up so well um, with his teammates. Nico Collins, yeah, he, the, the guy doesn't know how to have a bad game at the moment. He, he's, he's just playing lights out brilliance. Um, and um, unfortunately, it was Broncos that were his target um, at the weekend uh, going forward for the Texans. Uh, Tank Dell's going to be a big miss. Uh, I, I think we, we, there's a chance that we may see a bit of a slowdown um, in the Texans. I, I, I believe they can get to the playoffs, but I still think it's a bit of a big ask uh, without one, you know, one of your kind of star young players. Uh, they are um, the Broncos as well. Don't need to be disheartened about this game. They, they, Russell Wilson should have done a lot better uh, in in this game. There was, you know, the the thing is though, obviously he made some bad decisions, but the pressure was there's a lot of pressure on him on a lot of plays. So uh, I think that's more um, credit to the Texans rather than against the Broncos because uh, the off that offensive line they did well. Uh, for the for most of the game, and they've done well for most of the latter part of the season. But um, yeah, I think they were just up against a, a defensive line that were just on fire, to, led by Will Anderson. So um, also that Singleton call was just a choke. I think we we, we were kind of saying that, but that you know it, it did balance out a little bit later on. <laughs> a little bit. I mean, like yeah. I mean that was fifteen yards. It, don't get me wrong. That drive did lead to a touchdown for the Texans, but the Pirine one. <laughs> I was like, what was that call? Unbelievable. I mean, it benefited my team, but you just, oh my word. Um, Watching watching it on Red Zone, um, you you know, when they were showing the replay, it it, because um, it happened so quickly, some, you know, it, it came, it came across some people online, especially that maybe the sound was out of sync. Because of how quickly the the whistle came, so literally, if you, if you go uh, yeah. back and watch it, he catches the ball, he gets hit, and they blow the whistle. Mm-hmm. You're thinking, because what if he'd broken the tackle? You've blown the whistle. Exactly. What if he'd taken off for a six yard gain? What, what are you doing? I mean, I, you know, we've seen it before. Like we've praised refs in the past for you know letting the play develop, and you know they throw the flag, but you know they, they let the play go and. Uh, this was not one of those. It did really hurt the Texans. But, you know, they won the game. Uh, and one other thing about Will Anderson, um, Ross's second interception, um, the, the 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 first one for 
uh, Stingley was actually deflected by Will Anderson right into Stingley's arms. Yeah. It, was, it was a great play by him. Um, we're going to move on, gentlemen, and we come to the Detroit Lions and the New Orleans Saints at Caesar Superdome in front of 70,003 people. So they got an extra three in there. That was that was pretty good. Um, who watched the Lions jump out to a huge lead over the Saints? Uh, Jake, do you want me to stop talking about this and you can just carry on? Or do you want me to? We, we, we can do. And I'll tell you, those three people probably left because uh, <laughs> six minutes and 45 seconds in, it was 21 to nothing. And it was looking like, uh, to be honest, I was somewhat happy at this point because I was like, Finally, we're getting absolutely battered. This is surely the final straw. Blow it all up. Yep. Buy them all at half time. Annoyingly, the Saints kind of gave it a game. Um, Jamal Gibbs expl- uh, exploded through, and David Montgomery finished off the drive for seven. Carr then had a pass tipped uh, and intercepted uh, by Brian Branch. Uh, set up Sam Laporta, who was nine for 140 uh, this game, had a great game. He got his touchdown. Uh, followed by a Saints three and out. The Lions then waltz in with Amon Ra St. Brown. He was basically untouched. At 21 or nothing. The game hadn't even started. Red Zone had just been the Saints game at this point. No other game had had like a punt. And there was three scores in this game. Um, Taysom Hill tried to get a few things going. And the Superdome was riding. Um, anytime Taysom Hill was in, there was cheers. Anytime Derek Carr came back in, there was booze. Um... The Superdome that is always sold out by the Saints fans was half Lions fans because everybody's reselling their tickets. Their tickets are currently for like seven dollars. Um, we're probably the Panthers, who are a tin pot franchise, are probably going to have a very good contingency in the in the dome this this week because nobody wants to be there. Um, but back to the game, Jimmy G, um, Jimmy Graham, that is. Had his second catch and his second touchdown, uh, both coming in the red zone. Where has he been all season? Why, you know, we signed him to be the red zone target. We've played him twice. We've thrown him the ball twice. He's scored a touchdown twice. You, you kind of think they would do that more. Um, should have had another touchdown soon after with a larvae, but a horrendously underthrown ball meant uh, it fell to Alvin Kamara to finish it. Um, that tied him for the, the franchise record of Russian touchdowns. He later scored another one, so he holds that solely now. Uh, Taysom Hill ran in a touchdown. Like I say, all of a sudden, it was 24-21. And the, game, the Saints were giving it a game, which was very conflicting for me. Like I say, part of me was like, great, the Saints are giving it a game. The other part of me was like, we're probably going to... I said this in the chat. We're going to still lose this game, and now no one's going to get fired. It was the kind of worst of both worlds, and... Sadly, my premonition came true. Um, Jameson Williams ran like he was shot out of a gun um, and scored a touchdown. Uh, somehow they said he reached a speed of like 20 miles per hour. Um, I don't know how he didn't hit like the 22 figure. He was he was zooming. Um, Derek Carr went down for the 67th time this year. Anytime he's having a bad game or things aren't going his way, he's got a bad back, a bad ribs, a concussion, and then by Tuesday he's practicing again. It's a, he's... He's either Jesus or a liar, uh, one <laughs> of the two. Uh, and up steps Jameis Winston. And in true fashion, he throws a terrible pass that was somehow tipped by a defender and landed in Olave's hands. And it was a, a great inter- uh, a great completion all of a sudden. Um, you just never know what you're going to get. 
Um, Alvin Kamara runs in for a second touchdown. It was 33-28. Uh, but their final drive by the Lions, there was two huge third-down conversions to Sam Laporta and then a lovely play from Goff to Reynolds. And that sealed the game, 33-28. Lions maybe took their foot off the gas, kind of got a bit complacent, but in the end, they did enough to win. Um, the Saints did enough to keep people in a job, which is which is annoying. Um, like I say, nobody on the Saints uh, fandom is saying Jameis Winston is going to save this team. But at least it's going to be exciting. At least he's a likable guy. At least when he gets injured, he's actually injured. I'm very, very over Derek Carr. And it's almost like the Raiders fans knew this. And now the Saints fans know this. But Dennis Allen doesn't know this. And Mickey Loomis doesn't know this. And I'll hand it over to you guys because I'm, I'm very, very done with the Saints. Um, <laughs> it's like, so I don't know if you remember, Jake, when we had Christian on as a guest. He's a Raiders fan. Uh, and he hated Derica despised and he said he's rubbish and the Saints fans are going to find out just how bad this guy is um and it's boring when Derek Carr's there it's really really boring to watch this offense is just mundane and nothing happens and you're right Jameis comes in he might throw two horrendous interceptions but he's also going to throw two touchdowns and it's going to be exciting and you know your team's got a chance when James, even if you're down by three touchdowns, you know your team has a shot with uh, James Winston at quarterback. Whereas with Derek Carr, you don't trust this guy to do anything at all. Um, Dave, <laughs> I mean, I love James Winston. Why? Surely, surely now the Saints will put James Winston in. Surely. Come on. Not, not with that. No, it's not with it, with uh, Alan still in charge. I'm afraid. Uh, I I I think he's just kind of stubborn, and it's my way or the highway, and he makes bad choices. So it's just going it's going to be back to Derek Carr. Um, I mean, the, the look, the Saints have really good building blocks that they can have in place. Um, the problem seems to be the head coach. Um, so yeah, it, it's look, they they kind of you're you're six and one half dozen the aisle right now because uh. It's it's what do you do? Well, I I know what the Saints fans want, but uh, what do, what do the kind of decision makers want? They want uh, they they paid Carr a lot of money. Um, do they bring in Jameis Winston because and the fans probably want it? Jake, you're a fan. What do you want? Um, Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill to at least make our losing exciting. Um, <laughs> Dennis Allen is twenty and forty five. He is four losses away from being Blade Runner. Um, he, he, he sucks <laughs> he, he might be a good defensive coordinator and a defensive mind he's not a head coach he's oh, yeah, proven he's, this he's, a, he's a great defensive coordinator we know, yes he's a very good defensive coordinator we know this he's a terrible head coach absolutely awful he should stop doing it just say do you know what this job isn't for me I'll just go back to find, finding out interesting ways of killing quarterbacks good that, that's where you belong um, you're right, they should run, just have James and, and Taysom. And when you've got short yardage, third and one, bring in Taysom Hill and you'll get it. You'll get your short yardage things and for the odd, you know, gadget play and stuff because that's what Taysom Hill can do. 
When you need 31 yards on fourth down, you pop James Winston in there and you know you've got a 50-50 shot of getting it. You Someone's know what you do. We just you, don't know which team. You don't know, you don't know what's going to happen. It could be an utter disaster, but it's 50-50. It's either going to be incredible or horrendous. And I, I think that is exactly what the fans want, Jake. And that is, you know, you've reinforced that for me. So, gentlemen, we are going to move on and we come to the Miami Dolphins and the Washington Commanders at FedEx Field in front of 63,459 fans who watch the Miami Dolphins absolutely romp out in this one um, with, uh, you know, with 20 seconds to go in the first half, it was 31-7. The Dolphins went on course for putting up another 60, or maybe even a 70 bodyguard in this one. They absolutely just stopped playing in the second half. But it wasn't enough uh, <laughs> because they still managed to score more points. Um, it finished 45-15 to to Miami. This game was never, ever in doubt at any point the, the Dolphins literally stopped playing in the second half. They were just like, no, no, this. we just won't do anything. For this Mike White came in. Mike White. Uh, he went one and one for three yards. So, you know, he's, his, his completion percentage is absolutely spectacular this year. Um, Tidy Kill had another wonderful game for the Dolphins. Uh, some of the stats, two I went 18 at 24, 280 yards, two touchdowns for a rating of 141. Um, Tidy Kill in this game just, I mean... Five for 157, two touchdowns. Uh, almost all of it in the first half. Almost all of the, the Dolphins' stats are in the first half. Rushing the ball, Devon Achan's back in, 17 for 73, two touchdowns. Raheem Mostert wasn't to be denied. Uh, 11 for 43 for a touchdown. On the flip side, Sam Howell, 12, 23 for 127 yards. No touchdowns, one pick. Um, couldn't get a lot going on the ground, but Brian Robinson did go 7 for 53. Although why only carrying the ball seven times is beyond me when you've got that sort of average going on. Uh, Antonio Gibson carried it ten times for 35. So, you know, go figure on that one. Um, and receiving, Curtis Samuel is the big receiver for them. He had four for 65. But as I see, the game was never in doubt. Miami, once again, beating up on a bad team like you're supposed to do if you're a good team. They go to nine and three. The commanders fall to four and nine. Dave, I'll pop it over to you. Miami, you know, we, we keep saying it, they're, they're thrashing teams that they should be thrashing. You can only play who's in front of you. They're 9-3. and three. They're, You know, they're in the driver's seat for the, for the first seat in the AFC. What do you think of this Miami team? Um, I, I think they're the AFC version of the Cowboys, that they're beating up on the teams that they should be beating. Um, and like you say, you can only beat the people that are put in front of you. So, I'm... I, I think a, a good word to describe this Miami Dolphins team is contenders. And they are serious Super Bowl contenders. Um, Tua wasn't sacked once in this game. I mean, Tyreek, you're kind of running out of descriptions for him at this point in the season. He's just, he was just ridiculous in this game. Um, the, I mean, there was what? I think, was there not one pass that was not the best thrown? And yet he still managed to adjust and catch it and just keep going. So. Yeah, it's it's just an amazing performance from the Dolphins. They absolutely blew the Commanders away. Um, in fairness to Sam Howell, it wasn't really his fault. He wasn't able to do anything in this match whatsoever. I think he was just um, he was made to look bad by the Dolphins in general. 
Um, and he, even even when they stopped playing in the second half, they still managed to outscore Washington. So, yeah, it's it's just that thing for the commanders. Just move on and prepare for next season like they were doing. You know, obviously, they've got rid of Chase Young. They've got rid of Montez Sweat. They're preparing for next season. I, I mean, I, I don't think they're going to be much better next season, but that's, uh, that's probably their mindset right now because they're in a division that with the Eagles and the Cowboys. And... I wouldn't wish that upon even the 49ers because that's a very, very <laughs> difficult, difficult division. So, um, yeah, it, it's they, just... If uh, they are... I'm sorry to go and do but if, if they are no. preparing for next year, then why are you not firing Ron Rivera? Give it the enemy now. Give him basically a trial run of saying, you know, here's the end of the season. Let's see what we've got. Let's see what we can work with. Um, because I've got real fear for the commanders. You see teams are firing coaches now. You're in real danger of, of Eric Bieniemy just going somewhere else. If you if you just get rid of Rivera, they they have conceded 105 points in three games. Oh. And as Neil also pointed out, the Miami Dolphins basically put down their tools at one point. They they could have that, that number could have been a lot more. Um, you, you fired your DC, you fired like your special teams guy. The only people you've not fired is Eric Bieniemy and the head coach. Just. I have, I have a real fear from the commanders. If they don't pull the trigger soon, Eric Bieniemy is going to get a better offer somewhere else. Um, but I don't understand, on another point, all this MVP talk, how you can be given it, you know, each week, you know, oh, it's Jalen Hurts, or it's Dak Prescott, or now it's Brock Purdy. It's, it's Tyree Kill. If the season ended yeah. today, how, how is it not Tyree Kill? He is an MVP. And the play you mentioned where he basically ran the wrong route and everyone was like oh wow Tyree Kill's making two are amazing that was a terrible throw Tyree went on Twitter and was like no I literally ran the wrong route and like Tua managed to somehow get it to me without me doing my correct route um, which is always uh, kind of sticking up for your your quarterback and not just letting him take the, the flak for your amazing speed uh, and then there's one other player I wanted to kind of highlight Andrew Van Ginkle um, he's got the least time to pressure for all defenders with a minimum of 30 pressures, 2.24 seconds. Um, he's had a pick six issue, he's had a fumble six, he's had a punt box six in his career. He, he kind of does everything. Um, and obviously they had the player go down last uh, last week and everyone's like, oh, what they're going to do? Well, up step, you know, it's ne next man up. Uh, and Andrew Van Ginkle is certainly kind of a great uh, utility weapon for them on the defense. Yeah, I think I think what gets lost with Miami is the fact that uh, be because of Tidy Kill, because uh, A-Chan has such an incredible start to the season, because two are throwing for all these yards, what gets lost is that they've got one of the best defensive coordinators in the entire NFL. They've got good defensive players. And an injury to their defense won't cripple them the way it'll cripple other teams because of the scheme that they run. Because this is a good defense. Um, they've don't get me wrong, they've given up some points to teams. Of course they have. They, they got absolutely, you know, Buffalo put up was it 36 on them, I think it was. Um But it's this is a good Dolphins defense. They're opportunistic, they get the ball. And when you've got a a, a good defense that can take the ball away combined with an offense that can just, you know, <laughs> flat out outrun everyone, it, it, this makes for an, an exceptional team. And we have mentioned it, and we've said it, and other people have said it, who have they beaten? Well, they've beaten nine of the 12 teams that they've faced. 
Well, look who look who they haven't beaten though. Um, that, I mean, so it's the Bills, Eagles, and Chiefs. And like you were saying, it wasn't thirty six the Bills put up against, but it was forty eight. So that's yeah. You know, I mean, obviously they didn't have Jalen Ramsey there, but you know the. That's True, still three but, teams that they need to beat. But but I, I get where you're coming from, but Denver beat the Bills and the Chiefs. <laughs> and I tell you this. And I'll tell you this right now. Of all the teams in the NFL, that uh if we if we played anyone, possibly the exception, and you know I'm saying possibly nonsense, with the exception of San Francisco. If the Broncos played anyone this week, I'd go, we've got a chance of beating this team. But I would be terrified of facing the Dolphins again. The two mm. teams I do not want to play is the 49ers and the Dolphins. I'd fancy our chances against Philly. I'd fancy our chances against Dallas. Baltimore, I would. I'm not saying that we would beat them, but we've beaten Kansas City. We've beaten Buffalo. We've, we've you know, played other teams hard. Miami annihilate they put 70 points on us and i know you know justin simmons wasn't playing in that game that's one guy <laughs> is that why i you know he's not worth 70 points a game um so i, I don't know this miami team i i get i get where i get where the argument comes from you know they've, they've beaten lots of teams losing records that's what you're supposed to do but they're not just beating teams losing records they're they're killing them and they lost to Buffalo, they lost to Philly, they lost to Kansas City. And I get that. But on any other day, they could have beaten those three teams. And, it, it, you know, so I, the way Buffalo's playing just now, the way Kansas City's playing just now, the way even Philly's playing just now, I might, if they played this week, I'd take the Dolphins to beat them. I would. I absolutely I think, um, would. It, it's the last three weeks of the season that I think it will get a much clearer picture. The reason why I, of of sort of uh, how strong the Dolphins are is what I mean. Uh, obviously, the season will be done by at the end of those three weeks, so um, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll get a very clear picture. But next two weeks, the Dolphins have the Titans and the Jets. So I mean, you'd expect them to hammer both of them. Maybe maybe not necessarily Jets. Maybe a bit of a, a much more low scoring one. Uh, but Titans definitely. But then after that. They've got the Cowboys, they've got the Ravens, and then they've got the Bills. So that's a very interesting run-in right there. I mean, I mean it's uh, the Cowboys at home, they're away at the Ravens, and they've got the Bills at home. So, again, very, very interesting to see how they fare against that. And let's not kind of sugarcoat it. Those are three top teams. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, maybe the Bills slightly underperforming, but Cowboys or Ravens, Definitely up there for kind of uh, some of the favourites for Super Bowl contention. Uh, they are indeed. Uh, Jake, did you want to add anything before we move on? Uh, <clears throat> the kind of saving grace normally would be the Bills by that point might be out of playoff contention, but it's mm. a divisional game, so they're not going to roll over for Miami. So, that, you know, if it was another team, the Bills might, you know, if they're already eliminated, they might not try the hardest. They're not even going to let up, even if they are. So, th so there will be no rest for the wicked for the Dolphins in those three games. It's going to be a tough three games. Yeah, props to the. Um, I was going to say scriptwriters. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I was going to say scriptwriters. The schedule people, the people who make up the schedule for that. But yeah, no, no, no thanks to the primetime games. 
Uh, oh, no, no, no. Um, right, if, if I see, and, and I, I popped this in when we were talking earlier on today, if I see the Jets, the Giants, the Bears, or the Patriots again in, in Throw the Chargers in there. I'm sick of know, seeing the Chargers. I might throw the Chargers in there. I, I'm going to die. The, the, yeah, you, and me, you and me both. Yeah, I'm sick of worst, this as well. It is the absolute worst football. Um, it's and and you watch this game, just like why they should flex all. If there's any of those teams left, any of them left in prime time, flex them all out. Get rid of every single one of them. And on that note, gentlemen, the Los Angeles Chargers and the New England Patriots at Gillette Stadium in front of 64,628 people, played a game. Dave, that's about all you can say about this. It was 6 nothing to the Chargers. It's all yours. Well, prepare for the world record for the shortest game review in history, because that is what this game deserves. Um, just just to point out, there was a bit of uh, wind and a good, a good lot of rain as well. Uh, but that is probably about as exciting as it got within this game because, like you said, there was only uh, two scores and there were two uh, field goals in the second quarter. Uh, what I can only say is that the uh, wide receivers for the Chargers are getting worse, and I'm not even exaggerating that. Some of them are getting worse and more worse and whatever other word for worse you want to insert. Um you know, Keenan Allen, another bad drop. Uh, I mean, the the running backs were dropping. Justin Herbert is the only player. I mean, his quarterback rating was horrible in the game, but it wasn't his fault. It's 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 the receivers. How fault, many in this weeks game. have we been saying this? It, it it's not even changing though. It's just well, it is changing, but it's getting worse. It got worse in this game. Do you know what? I'm going I'm going to say I'm going to give one sort of uh, kudos though. Kudos to the Patriots' defense because they they did bring some pressure. They gave good coverage in this game as well. So it was a very good defensive game. But no one likes a defensive game, especially me. I really don't like, I really hated watching this game. I watched it from start to finish, waiting for another game that, that we're going to talk about later on. And yet I had, th- I had that game on. I had the Saints-Lions game and then switched off at 21-0 because I didn't want to inflict any more pain in the viewership. Uh, but then I switched over to the Broncos game. This game was on my iPad right beside me, and I'll be honest, I kept moving my iPad, and I say, I, I'm inverted quotes, moving it away because it was getting in my way of, well, enjoying my evening. I would pretty much describe it as... Um, yeah, but yeah, Cameron, Cameron Dicker uh, was the only scorer in this entire game. So Cameron Dicker, six, the Patriots, nil. Uh, was there anything else? Oh, well, there was uh, two sacks for Khalil Mack, which gives him a career high of 15 for the season. And that's his 99th of his career. So, um, yeah, the Patriots, I mean, I mean, the defense is keeping them in all those games, all those low-scoring games. The defense are keeping them in it, which is what you would expect from a Bill Belichick team. The problem is, is that they're not even slightly fu- uh, firing. It was Bailey Zappi that started this game. It was god awful from start to finish. Um, he stayed in for the entire game. Uh, I, mean, I mean, they could have probably put a plank of wood, and it would have been still the exact same outcome, same sort of completion rate, decision making, whatever you you name it. 
Um, but yeah, the Patriots now, uh, I mean, in their last three games, they've lost 6-0 six, six to the Chargers, 10-7 to the Giants, 10-6 to the Colts. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I was going to save it for uh, later for a little bonus extra random stat. Um, but I did see that the Patriots, <laughs> of their last few drives, very, very, very interesting uh, reading. So Patriots points in their last, what, 14 quarters? 0 0 0 0 That's not good. <laughs> I mean, it's instead of being called um, Bill Belichick, it could be called Bill Morse Code because that that's probably or just Bill Binary because that that would be <laughs> Binary a, Bill. Bill. Binary Bill. Bill. He's becoming at this point. It's, oh it's, my it's, word! It's, it's it's a it is a joke. That that offense is becoming a joke. And um, not one of these players wants to be playing. You can see it. Bailey Zappi. I mean, he's kind of a a diet version of uh, of Winston of Jamie of James Winston because he's. He's exciting, but he's just terrible. He's he's kind of the Tommy DeVito, uh, James James Winston crossover. <laughs> it's love just, child. <laughs> it's, the, it's the worst. It's the weirdest love child ever. And out pops Bailey Zappi, and this is a result. It's just a shutout. And this, it's. I, I was going to say it's a it's a third game in a row with single digits. They didn't even get any digits. So, yeah, it, let, let's just let, let's. Uh, ask ask Jake the very, the very small things that he thought about this. I, I, I will ask Jake. Uh, Jake, uh, another fifteen punt game. Yeah, it's like, oh, I forgot oh, about that. Yeah, fif- I lost fifteen. But <laughs> I, lost I don't know if either of you guys um, uh, watch. Um, be careful when I'm saying this. I'm not going to bleep it out. Sorry, uh, Barry McCockiner on uh, YouTube, <laughs> who said when reviewing this game, if you're not aware of that channel, Dave, I highly recommend subscribing and watching his nfl reviews that gold absolute gold um and he said if he'd been in a coma he would have woken up to get up to turn off the telly if this game had been on because it was appalling jake was there any redeeming features from this game whatsoever absolutely the youtube highlights were only seven minutes 52 long it was really easy to kind of tick this off my, oh, my, my to-do list. That's even shorter than um, the one we had last week. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, the second time the Patriots have been shut out at home. So getting a shutout is rare and horrible. Doing it twice in a season is horrendous. Doing it twice in a season at home is is criminal. Uh, and Ramondi Shri- uh, Stevenson went down. Um, he fumbled yeah. and then went down uh, and is injured. And that just kind of... The only positive thing about their offense uh, gone, and uh, that's what you get for for signing Juju for the same price as Jacoby Myers. You know what? I'll say it. It's been a few weeks. <laughs> it has indeed. So, gentlemen, let us mercifully move on from this game, and we come to an absolute stonker: the Arizona Cardinals and the Pittsburgh Steelers at Acrisure Stadium, <laughs> in front of sixty-six thousand four hundred thirty-six fans. Watched the Cardinals come in and beat the Steelers. The two and ten Cardinals beat the seven and four Steelers in Pittsburgh. Probably because of the name of that stadium. That's why this happened. Twenty-four mm-hmm. to ten. Scoring went like this. Chris Boswell over in the twenty-nine yard field goal put Pittsburgh up three to nothing. So looking good so far. Matt Prater 
I forget how old he is, Dave. I think you said he was about 70. See me, just me or something. Yeah, you cheeky. Bangs uh, it up, 51-yard field goal. He can still do it. Three-all. Trey McBride gets a five-yard pass from Kyler Murray. 10-3, Arizona. James Conner had the first of two touchdown rushes, one in the third quarter, one in the fourth. A 17 3-24-3, 24-3, with 4.25 to go in the game when Deontay Johnson got a two-yard pass from, who's this, Mitchell Trubisky. The MVP was indeed in this game. Um, the honeymoon over Matt Canada's firing ended very swiftly. The Steelers had three points until 4.25 to go in this game. 24-10, final score to Arizona. And it was just, uh, you know, Kyler Murray, 13-23, 145 yards, one touchdown, nothing spectacular. James Conner, though, very good game, 25 for 105, two touchdowns on the ground. Uh, And Trey McBride, eight catches, 89 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Over on the other side, Trubisky, uh, well, Pickett went 7 of 10 for 70 yards. Trubisky was 11 of 17 for 117 and a touchdown. Uh, but they could get really nothing going at all. And Arizona whipped the Steelers in this one. The scoreline flatters Pittsburgh. Dave, I'll put it to you first. Are the Steelers not as good as their record? And are the Cardinals better than their record? Uh, question one, yeah, undoubtedly the Steelers are a lot worse than their records. Uh, I think I, I, yeah, I mean that Mike Tomlin has has been the only person. I, I think the personnel at Pittsburgh is questionable. Uh, many of them, but obviously they on defensive players like JJ Watts, uh, Minka as well. But you know, in this game, it it was the run. They just could not stop the run. Uh, James Conner was brilliant. Um. McBride was but was very very good for um, Kyler as well. Usually you look for players like Rondell Moore, um, Hollywood Brown. Although like I, I think um, it might it might be been Jake that might have said to me that uh, when uh, Hollywood Brown plays well, he's Hollywood Brown. When he plays terribly, he's Marquise Brown. Um, someone said it to me anyway. But that, uh, Marquise, that was Patrick. I don't want to take. I don't want to take. Oh, Patrick that. That said Patrick. it. That, that's correct. <laughs> I knew it was one of you that said that. But uh, Marquise Brown was targeted three times in this game by Kyler, and he never touched the ball in the entire game. Uh, and obviously, the other wide receiver, Rondell Moore, two targets, one for six yards. So someone had to step up for Kyler. Jay McBride did that. Nine targets, eight receptions for 89 yards and the touchdown. But yeah, look, James Conner, fantastic. Two TDs. Um, and he had that one big one for about 30 yards. Uh, I remember seeing on um, red zone as well. So yeah, Cardinals march on. Are they better? Mm, they're better than the teams that are on a similar record, I would say. Um, they're better than the Giants. They're better than the Patriots. Um Probably better, right better now. than what we thought they were going to be as well. Yeah, I think that's probably the return of Kyler. I think Kyler's had a, a positive impact on them. But uh, let's be honest, he couldn't get much worse. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> it was, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's just the Steelers. Uh, the Steelers kind of, um, uh, you, you know, the, the variance is kind of balancing out a little bit uh, with Pittsburgh. I, I think they could be in a, uh, a bit of trouble. I think they've been had a bit of false uh, hope. I would I would call it because I don't I don't think they're good enough to um, reach the playoffs. Although in saying that, they do play the Patriots next week, so 
anything could happen there. It's good. I, th- I think it could even be a single digit, single digit scoreline. Or maybe a single digit <sighs> to zero scoreline. Uh, <laughs> Jake, um, it, I, what's happened to the Steelers? Seriously, talk to me. They're, you kind of nailed it. They're not as good as their record. They, they fired their offensive coordinator because that was the source of all their problems. They have one good offensive game, and guess what? They went back to 16 points or less. They are right back where they started. Um, nine penalties for 77 yards, multiple bad snaps, the center play was was horrendous. Um, we did get to witness history uh, because the Cardinals scored uh, a 15-play, 99-yard touchdown drive. You cannot beat that. You know they, They're tied with numerous people, but you cannot score more than a 99-yard offensive drive. Um, and yeah, the kind of only, only other note I had was that it was a, a nice kind of comeback for James Conner in Pittsburgh. So the easiest bet of all time would have been James Conner to score a touchdown. There was no way he was leaving Pittsburgh without getting on the board. Same as when Montgomery against the Bears. It was it had to be done. It did indeed. And gentlemen, we are now going to move on to the Carolina Panthers taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at Raymond James Stadium in front of 62,432 fans. And this game was actually uh, a lot more exciting than I thought it was going to be. Uh, the Buccaneers come away with a 21-18 victory in this one. NFC South, Jake McGee, this was your game. What did you think of it? Jake muted? Uh, Jake is muted. Uh, <laughs> I just was reliving the trauma of this game where you guys were mentioned two games now with 15 punts and you think wow that's bad 15 punts is bad in a game that 15 is a terrible they had 15 punts in you know a 13-8 game or or a very poor game that took 19 hours this was a 21-18 game on on paper it looked good there was 16 punts it was (laughs) it was it was a bit of a punt off uh it was torrential rain in tampa uh saw a terrible interception by baker which was the second Worst decision regarding football in Florida this week. Ewan and Ewan alone will probably get that reference, so shout out Ewan. Um, the books opened well. Uh, Rashad White punched in a one-yard run after a flag in the end zone. The Panthers responded well. They were in good field position thanks to a silly flag on Carlton Davis. But the books defense bent but didn't break, held them to a field goal. Uh, twice on third and one, the Panthers ran out of shotgun and went backwards, which is... Oh, it really hurts my brain. Um, the rain got so bad that Mike Evans made the very smart decision to go gloveless. Uh, it was very smart because he went 7 for 162 in a touchdown. He achieved 1,000 yards for the 10th straight year. Uh, we then had the, the aforementioned interception um, from Baker. means it's four straight games with an interception for him. The Panthers made the conscious effort to get Jonathan Mingo more involved. He was targeted 10 times, went 6 for 69. They didn't even bother with a Hail Mary. Um, at 7-3, going into half at midfield, they snapped the ball, run about, throw out a play. They, they didn't even bother going for a Hail Mary. It was that, that's how timid the Panthers are at the moment. Uh, they did have a, a lovely 32-yard wheel route to Mingo. That set up Hubbard's first touchdown. He he ran very hard. He, he went 25 for 104 and two touchdowns. Um, but the Panthers' lead was incredibly short-lived as the Bucks responded one play later with a 75-yard catch and run by Mike Evans. Uh, the Panthers were 1-50 when behind entering the fourth quarter. Well, they were behind 14-10 to 10, 
Um, there was a well-designed reverse to Godwin after 11 play drive. It was 21-10. Um, there were some big grabs from DJ Chark. Uh, got them within three after uh, the second run by Hobbard and a two-point by Bryce Young. Uh, but it wasn't to be. There was three minutes 30 left on their final drive uh, when Young threw a killer interception that all but ended the game. Moves the books to five and seven and just a game behind the Falcons and officially eliminates the Panthers from playoffs. <laughs> Finally. Who'd have thunk it? At like one and 11. They are officially, Finally. they're only now officially eliminated. That's, That's how bad the NFC South is. That's because up to last week, they could still have won their division. Yep. <laughs> so finally done. Dave, uh, Panthers are out. We have our first team out of the playoffs. Mm. Buccaneers, though. Mm. And I know it's the Panthers. But the Buccaneers win another game. A couple of weeks ago, uh, three weeks ago now, Jake said Bucks are the best team in, in the NFC South. Um, they keep winning games. Then they're going to win this division. And they go into the playoffs with Baker Mayfield. You know, I mean, that's, that just goes to show you. And once again, Tom Brady's system quarterback. Uh, Dave, what did you think of this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what did I think of this? Uh, well, I, uh, there was two takeaways uh, I took from this game: is that the box ha- uh, the box defense is the best unit within the division by far, um, and they're the best performing units. You know, even though they they lost eighteen points, they they are still the best unit uh, of all offense, defense, and special teams within that division. Um, the second takeaway is I, I I've got a little theory about um, Bryce Young. That I'm, I've seen a couple times this year, and I think obviously when a quarterback is getting ready to snap a play, he's he has a look around, see what the coverage is like, see what the defense are doing. Right now, there's there's some very subtle differences between some of the um, but b- b- between some of, some of the coverages. Uh, for example, cover two, cover four, very similar. The only one that's blatantly obvious is cover zero. Uh, because everyone is running at you and you get that ball away as soon as possible. Um, but I think he's actually misreading a lot of the defensive uh, coverages, which is why um, that when, he made, when he made that really bad interception, I, I think that may have been a part of the problem there. Uh, he's made it a couple times this year. Obviously, he's under a lot of pressure, but I think he's rushing some things, including reading the defense. So if they can... Do something about that in the off season. I think he 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 could have a much better um, career. But that's one of the most essential parts of being a quarterback is pre snap. You read the defense, and I think I don't think he's making the best reads. Um, he's definitely not making the the best reads at all. He's he's not playing well. Um, I just well, he's not making the best decisions anyway. When no. he's when he's for his, for his, for his own sake, to. I hope he can he can turn it around. Um, yeah. Not seen much that will give me confidence in that. But gentlemen, we are going to move on, and we come to the inter intra inter. We'll go for inter. I can't remember which inter and inter intra uh, conference matchup between the Cleveland Browns and the Los Angeles Rams at SoFi Stadium in front of seventy two thousand eight hundred and eighty seven fans. And Dave, I know you're just dying to talk about this game so i will let you talk about this game i'm not even going to mention the score this one is all yours dave well as per usual i started this game with a lot of anxiety because that seems to be what happens every game this season 
prior to me watching the Rams. So, of course, uh, the uh, in the first quarter, the what do the Browns do? With Joe Flacco coming in at quarterback for his 27th team that he's, he's appearing for at age 49, uh, he then marched down the, the pitch with the Browns and Jerome Ford gets in for a 24-yard touchdown pass um, from Joe Flacco. So straight in, and it's 7-0. Then we get Lucas Havasik for the Rams, now former Rams kicker, uh, kicking a 44-yarder. Sadly, during this game, he also missed a 43-yarder and uh, was just awful as per usual. Um, that That's the takeaway uh, on special teams from this game. Um, where the, and uh, after that, there was a 70-yard touchdown from Puka Nakua with Matthew Stafford threading a needle through double coverage uh, to Puka Nakua, and he just sprinted away for the touchdown, 70 yards, uh, close to the end of the first quarter. Second quarter, uh, the only thing so it was um, two field goals. Uh, Dustin Hopkins, uh, just before a two-minute warning, kicked a 40-yard field goal before, by the skin of his teeth, Lucas Havasek made a 28-yard field goal, which uh, barely made it in. And that uh, just, my head was in my hands at that point. And, you know, even though we were three points ahead, I was not expecting much. Um, for the Browns in this game, just to note, Miles Garrett, or I should say half of Miles Garrett, was playing because uh, he obviously had a little bit of an injury. Uh, Den- no Denzel Ward for the Browns either, uh, and no reliable quarterback whatsoever for for Cleveland. Although you could have been mistaken for thinking that there was when the way Joe Flacco played for three quarters, uh, which to my utter amazement, and th- just thinking this is such a Rams thing this season, that Joe Flacco is going to come in and beat us. However, Joe Flacco fans, there's not many of you out there and none are listening. So anyway, I won't refer to them again. Uh, third quarter, Dustin Hopkins, 24-yard field goal, make it 13-0 before Demarcus Robinson with his first touchdown for a Rams. One a seven-yard pass from Matthew Stafford and very well done. Uh, Haversick did kick the extra point uh, into the fourth quarter, though. This is where things got a little bit eventful, where the Browns ended up getting a touchdown. Harrison Bryant, eight yards from Joe Flacco before Evan McPherson. No, not Evan McPherson. Dustin Hopkins missed the extra point, which is quite a rarity for Hopkins. However, then it got real. Because then it was turnovers and horrible play from the Browns. Uh, so the Rams led 2019 with under seven minutes remaining when Flacco threw an ill-fated bomb that would have bounced off the roof of SoFi had it been closed. But that was intercepted by our safety who had a really good game, John Johnson the third. Um, he was actually with the Browns for two seasons. So thank you very much, Cleveland, for that. And he returned at 42 yards, uh, almost into the red zone, which then was converted for six with Cooper Cup getting in. However, that wasn't it. That was not it whatsoever at all, ladies and gentlemen. Because the Rams thing kept going. And they ma- and they managed to get they managed to get the ball back deep in the Browns half. Kyron Williams with a one yard run. To make it 34-19 before Joe Flacco starting the drive from what was 10, maybe 15-yard line at the, at the most. Took a sack for about a 9 or 10-yard loss. 
um, and what <laughs> one of the most ridiculous na- nicknamed players in the league, the conductor, is now the is is now the nickname given to the uh, young defensive tackle of the Rams, uh, where Kobe Turner, and then started snapping from the one yard line. Aaron Donald and Kobe Turner gets Flacco for the safety. 36-19 game set and match. So that was, it. It was just an amazing game. Cooper Cup getting a touchdown. Puka Nakua getting a touchdown. I, I mean, I'd love to say it's business as usual. It really isn't. Matthew Stafford had a really good game when he was on target. A good few throwaways. Kevin Williams is, is the real deal. Uh, Puka Nakua went out injured. Looked a really sore one. Bad rib injury. Came back. Still marked up 105 yards and 34 yards with a um, uh, Philly special. So uh, Philly special? So no, a, a, um, what's it called again? The jets, a jet sweep. That's what it was. It was essentially a jet Philly, sweep. Philly on the special motion. is when they 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 throw the ball to the quarterback. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they, I mean, the last the last team I saw doing that was probably uh, was it not when the Bucks tried to do it to Brady. Uh, which was just epically bad because he was they had no chance whatsoever catching it. Like his seventy-eight year old Tom Brady catching in the end zone was just not the most uh, realistic thing. But let's be honest here: the the, the Browns suffering a quarterback. Half a miles Garrett is not a full miles Garrett. Um, there were, I, I mean, both teams were making some silly uh, penalties or giving away silly penalties. You'd say Rams couldn't get much done on fourth down at all, but. Um, yeah, up for about three quarters. The Browns looked like they were going to beat us. And in the end, the real Joe Flacco stood up and put the ball up right to the Rams. Game set and match. 36-19. Rams are now seventh seed in the NFC. Let's go. Jake, I, I've got no idea if you can add anything to that whatsoever. Um. Well, I'll kind of just go through what I, I saw for the game. I mean, Puka already at... A thousand as a as a rookie first team or oh, first ram to do this, which is impressive. Um, and the the missed extra point was the beginning of the end. And, and Hopkins is normally a very good, reliable kicker. That that was the beginning of the end because it was twenty nineteen with seven minutes left. And you heard the final score from Dave. You're thinking, how did it go so wrong so quickly? And my my take from this, and I said it to you, and and got uh, a face of bewilderment, is that Elijah Moore would be a pro bowler. If Joe Flacco was his quarterback for 17 games, he his only career game in the NFL over 100 was with Flacco and the Jets. He went four for 83 against the Rams. Uh, Elijah Moore can only play if Flacco is feeding the ball. And and my analogy for for Flacco at this stage in his career, and maybe even before that, he's just a, a poor man's goff. If you give him time, he can still play. He can dissect a team. He can play. Uh, if you put any pressure on him, he's just he's just Joe Flacco. He is. Uh, but strange to think that's probably the best quarterback play the Browns have had this year. Came from the 70-year-old Joe Flacco. It's very true. Very, pretty poor. So, gentlemen, we're going to move on and we come to what had to be the most highly anticipated game of the, arguably the season. Um, the San Francisco 49ers and the Philadelphia Eagles at Lincoln Financial Field in front of 69,879 fans. And I am going to cast, gentlemen, I'm going to cast your minds back to last year's NFC Conference Championship game where the Philadelphia Eagles played the 49ers. And as we all know, 
Brock Purdy got knocked out early in that game. And then the backup quarterback got knocked out. And the, the 49ers had no quarterbacks. Christian McCaffrey was taking snaps in the shotgun. They end up losing that game 31-7. to And uh, there was a lot of talking before this game. In fact, there was a lot of talking after the conference championship game. Because I think both of these teams sort of knew, we're going to see each other again. We are. And uh, Debo Samuel was one of the most vocal people on the side of the 49ers, who said that if we'd had a quarterback, that score would not have been 31-7. to And um, I believe Hassan Reddick and a few of the other Eagles respondents says, yeah, well, we'll wait and see when we meet you. And one particular player whose name I do not have had uh, told Debo to back it up on the field. Well, this game started with the Eagles taking a 3-0 lead to the Jake Elliott field goal from 26 yards. And then the Eagles taking a 6-0 lead with the Jake Elliott field goal from 39 yards. That's how the first quarter ended. And from then on, it was all 49ers who scored touchdowns on their next six possessions in a row with a final score of 42-19 to against the Eagles. Debo Samuel scores three touchdowns. Brock Purdy goes 19 of 27 for 314 yards. Four touchdowns in this game. Um, they had one of their best defensive players ejected for uh, tapping somebody on the nose on the sidelines. It was a bizarre game. Jake, I'll put it to you first. The Fortniners killed the Eagles in this one. Um, I was only like three points out in my in my thing. I think I said it was 38 to 39 um, points to 19 in this game. It ended up being 42 to 19. Um, the 49ers backed up their talk. Debo Samuel certainly backed up his talk. Uh, we've been saying that the Eagles haven't been good for a few weeks, Jake. Um, well, not, not that they've not been good. That's not the right thing to say. They've not been convincing the past few weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, you particularly mentioned that offense. What did you think of this one? Well, it was, like you say, a, a tale of two halves normally, but it was a tale of one quarter versus three quarters. Mm. It was 124 to minus six in yards, seven first downs to six plays, all in favor of the Eagles. And you're thinking, oh dear, 49ers, what are you going to you know, use as an excuse this time? You, you know, you've got your quarterback, you've relatively uh, healthy. What's going to be your excuse? And their excuse was, we were just giving you a head start. Um, they absolutely ex- exploited the Eagles' kind of linebackers' lack of speed, and and that being their their huge weak spot, so much so that the Eagles have gone out and got um, Shaquille Leonard. Um, they they've, they've been outgained in five straight games. I mean, this is a ten and two team, you know, number one seed to be one of the most feared teams, supposedly led by an MVP candidate, supposedly who are being outgained in every single game. Um, and I, the other kind of other thing I had is because I had alliteration last time for the 49ers, I had devastating Debo dominates. <laughs> yes, he does. Um, Dave, I know once again, 49ers, you hate them. I get it. I get it. But <laughs> have I said that before? You may have <laughs> once or twice. Yeah, once yeah. or twice. In passing. <laughs> but you have to think that even though the you know the Eagles have the best record in the NFC. And the 49ers are tied, you know, the second place, best record. Um, you have to think the 49ers are the class of this conference now. I mean, you just have to. They, 
the two teams that you would see are the biggest rivals uh, in the NFC are the Eagles and the Cowboys, and they slaughtered both of them. They mm. did have that three-game blip. That was a three-game losing streak. Brock Party got his concussion. We know that. Um, missed a game, came back, didn't look right. They then had their bye week, and it's almost like everything was cured in that bye week. They've come out, and they have been killing teams. Um Dave, what can you say? Uh, do you know what, actually, Dave, but before, it, before I throw it over to you, I was talking to Ewan um, on Tuesday. And I was saying, I remember a couple of years ago, but two, maybe three years ago, when the 49ers played the Broncos. And uh, George Kittle went for like 200 yards. In, that. in fact, he had like 190 by halftime. And I was cursing, going, how can you let... George Kittle go for this many yards when he is the only weapon San Francisco has. And that was true. And you look at this team now. It's it's insane. George Kittle might be the worst weapon they have. <laughs> and he's one of the best tight ends in the entire NFL. I mean, it's it's utterly insane. They, they were running and they ran the ball. To the left-hand side, because you've got big Trent Williams on the left-hand side. You then line up George Kittle, arguably the best run-blocking tight end in the entire league. You then have Kyle Juszczyk coming out from the full-back position. And who's coming behind him? It's either Debo Samuel or Christian McCaffrey. It's not fair. Dave, how, how do people slow down a healthy 49ers team? Um, uh, uh, I don't know. Aaron Donald. Uh, I, I, Aaron Donald. I, I, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, they're going to have to have two or three players on Aaron Donald. So, they, um, yeah, when we do play them again, uh, which I'm not looking forward to, I'll be completely honest. Um, I, I, One of the things I didn't notice about this game, though, is that, I, I mean, I obviously the best player on offense is Christian McCaffrey. Uh, I, I, I think that's what that shouldn't even be a uh, discussion. Um, on defense, the thing is they've got about three or four that are massively stepping up, and um, yeah, a combination of that is Super Bowl caliber. Uh, I hate to admit it, but it is absolutely true. Uh, uh, well, one one other thing that I took from this game is that the Eagles are very quickly becoming one of the most dislikable um, franchises and fan bases within the entire league. Um, Drake Greenlaw, I, I've said it two, maybe three times this year, is a liability for a player of such great ability. He is a liability at the same time because of his discipline issues. Um, it, I think it was, was it the Eagles head of security or something? The Eagles head uh, of security, who, the, who is a, affectionately known as Big Dome. Big Dom. Well, uh, Big Dom and uh, Medium Dre, uh, as I think we, we can <laughs> we can start calling him. Uh, oh, Dick and Dom. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, that that's I was keeping that one, but uh, yeah, ex- exactly. Look, it, it's it's just it's just as simple as this. The 49ers are right now the best team in the entire NFC, arguably the entire NFL. Uh, it's disgusting. Uh, it should be outlawed. It should be made illegal. Um, what I do know is that 
this year is winner bust because next year they will not have the same group of players because there are so many of those players due to be paid and they will want to be paid. So they have to win the Super Bowl this year. So the pressure is on the 49ers. They, I mean, they've, they've got a system quarterback who's going to end up winning MVP. <laughs> right, hold they, on. No, no, no. Hold no, no, on. No, no, Sorry, Dave. Sorry. You know, right, I'm, I'm going to push back. I'm going to push back on two points here. First of all, the system quarterback. Get the whistle. Right? Because I have here in front of me the Brock Purdy hype train whistle that you've mocked me for on umpteen occasions umpteen occasions and yet every time you do he comes back and puts in a huge performance so here it goes Brock Purdy hype train whistle oh yeah now here's the other thing here's the other thing right the 49ers uh first of all you think you could argue they're the best team in the NFL? I say they are 100% are because they are killing teams. You know, you name me a team who they would not obliterate. The way they're playing just now, I can't think of one. And they've faced, they have faced the best. They faced the Cowboys, they killed them. They faced the, the, you know, the Eagles, they killed them. Whoever goes up against a team, they're going to absolutely obliterate them. Now, here's the other thing. This is what I'm pushing back on. You're saying they need to win the Super Bowl this year because of people needing paid next year. Mm-hmm. Who needs paid next year? Because I'll tell you who doesn't need paid. Christian McCaffrey. Mr. Irrelevant. And the quarterback, who is on about 800 grand. So, hasn't money. I mean, you're, you know, you're not dropping 50 million on your quarterback. You're not even dropping one million on your quarterback. So you've got $49 million of literally, it's like free money sitting there. So if Debo Samuel says, can I get an extra 10 million next year? <laughs> yes. And then if, if Fred Warner says, can I get a 10 million? Yes, you can. Does anyone else want an extra the, 10 million? Because we can the, give the it to you. Is. The, the problem is they, they can't. They've got like 19 people running out of contracts and it is people like Debo. It's not 19 players as in like, oh, you're long snapper. It's 19 players like pick between Debo and Ayuk. That's going to be a decision in the uh, in the offseason. It, it, will will it, it, it will be a decision. But the reality is that they, they don't have to pay their quarterback and they can restructure contracts. They don't need to win this year is what I'm seeing. Oh, I think they, they I, do. I, no, I don't think they will. I don't think they do. Because I think next year, if they if they get to the Super Bowl this year, just as an example, and they lose. Let's say they play the, the Ravens in the Super Bowl. They lose to the Ravens. Ah, there you go. What do we do next year? And up comes Debo's contract and Ayuk's contract and Kittle's contract and Warner's contract and all these contracts coming up. And um, number seven, the, the cornerback, what's his name? Absolutely killing it just Ward. now. Uh, uh, sorry, what's his Javius name? Ward. Javius Ward, yeah. yeah. It, his contract comes up, and all these contracts come up. They can afford to throw millions extra at these players for next year because of the quarterback. They can do that. They can say, yeah, you can get an extra 10 million per year. Now, they'll need to restructure when party needs paid because then they're like, no, we cannot pay you all because we just cannot do that. But they don't need to do it this year. I, I mean, of course, pressure's on, but not 
necessarily this year. Next year, they can still pay all these players um, and they'll just need to restructure some stuff. But as soon as party's contract comes up, we're like, look out. Unless they triple the salary cap, (laughs) there's no way they're going to keep all these players. And we will... Of course, you know, I'm talking about ideal scenarios. Players are going to leave San Francisco. They're going to get huge deals in other places. They'll never be able to hang on to um, Kittle, Ayuk, Debo, Christian McCaffrey, check. you know, will be looking for money as well because he's a vital part. Trent Williams, I don't know how old Trent Williams is now, and I'm not sure how long's left on his contract. Absolute anchor in that offensive line. Um, and some of the, some of the, de- the defense as well um so I, I i see where you're coming from but they don't need it this year purely because of brock purdy's contract they've got to be the happiest the happiest owners in all of nfl land nf land they have to be they have to be i mean honestly you look at some of these teams and we brought this up before daniel jones's contract killed every owner in the league because there's not a single quarterback, a starting quarterback, worth his salt at all. When his contract comes up for renewal, it's going to go, look at his contract. You'd offer me 35 when he's getting 46? You don't think I'm better than Daniel Jones? Other NFL owners are raging at the Giants for that one. They absolutely are. When Brock Purdy's contract comes up, um, this is year two. So they don't need to do anything next year. Um, so year four, or the year after, uh, uh, year year four, year four is when year they will. Well, he, he, yeah. he, well, he doesn't. He's Mister Irrelevant. They don't have a fifth year option. Yeah. Oh, it's just oh, a so, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, but so but year four years. is when they will probably look to do it. So they don't need to do anything this year. They don't need to do anything next year. They, they probably will. They probably pay him some more money because I think Kyle Kyle Shanahan just loves. This guy. First of all, he loves him because of his contract. But he's playing well in this system. And all all joking aside, Dave, all joking aside, because you're saying you're a system quarterback. Of course, he's in the perfect system. The mm-hmm. perfect system. But Trey Lance was in the system. And how did that work out? Look at Jimmy G. Well, how Jimmy did it... G was in that system. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, it, it went really well for him in, in San Francisco. So well, they ditched him. And... Yeah. No, he, he didn't he, leave. I, I, they, they, were, they ditched him for the well, Mr. Irrele- Irrelevant. Yeah. And Trey Lance yeah. was a second overall pick. And they ditched him for Mr. Irrelevant. Because Brock Purdy's a we, better we, we were on such good pace, this podcast. We sorry, you know, I, I apologize. <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, I, I'll, I, I'll, f- I'll finish off. I'll, okay. I'll finish off. Uh, I, my, what, the, where I was going with that is that uh, not only uh, were what is you know was this system so well uh, so well played and executed against the Eagles, but that the Eagles were out coached by Shanahan in this one. I, th- I think that's all it was. I think Sirianni just got a rea- reality check from uh, Shanahan. So I, I you know, credit where credit's due to Shanahan and his system. Uh, and you know Kittle and Debo and McCaffrey and no one else on the offense. Uh, but you know, but let's. Uh, it, it, it was hey, just, don't it was forget Kyle Uzcheck. He's a good fullback. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, that's and Ayuk. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and Jawan Jennings. Jennings gets the touchdown <laughs> pass, Jennings. and everyone forgets. He's like, "Hey, I scored." 
you know, I, I played my part. Yeah. Uh, gentlemen, we are moving on. Thank you, Jake, for reminding us that we actually oh, have a time constraint. Thank you. Um, and yes, we thank come, you for moving on. <laughs> we come to Lambeau Field, where the Green Bay Packers welcomed the Kansas City Chiefs in front of 78,124 fans. And, oh, my word, the Packers come away with a 27-19 victory. Jake McGee, this was your game. Packers, Chiefs, what did you think of this one? Yeah, well, this was a, a, a great game, an interesting game, and the Packers continued to grow, but it was it's somewhat overshadowed by some awful officiating, uh, certainly towards the, the latter end. Uh, but we'll get to that. Uh, this was a, a Super Bowl one rematch, and the Packers matriculated the ball down the field uh, with little to no issues on the back of Quadzilla, A.J. Dillon, who ran 18 for 73. Uh, their 8-minute 13-play opening drive was topped off by a lovely play fake leading to a wide-open touchdown. Uh, the Chiefs battled back with a 7-minute 13-play drive of their own, uh, but key sacks from Van Ness and Rashawn Gary forced the Chiefs to settle for a field goal. Uh, the Packers didn't let up, um, with Love getting great protection. Uh, Watson, who went 7 for 71, got his first touchdown. Um, the Chiefs, a holding penalty, cost them a first and goal that would have been at the two. And then a Preston Smith sack ensured they again had to settle for a field goal. So we're at 14 to 6. Uh, the Packers ended the half downing a punt inside the three yard line, which I love to see. Um, the Chiefs got the ball first, overcame several penalties, uh, resulting in a Pacheco touchdown. But he failed the octopus. Uh, they gave him the ball for the two-point conversion, but he was unable to secure the octopus. Um, and then for the Packers, there's a huge completion to, to Dobbs that set up Watson for his touchdown number two. Uh, Pacheco, again, ran so physically. Um, and I know a great touchdown. Uh, left us at 21-19. to 19. Uh, it's really hard not to kind of root for John Love. Uh, he threw a block on a, on a double reverse sweep, which is enough to make your teammates love you when you see a quarterback getting down and dirty. Uh, but a Mike Danner sack meant they had to settle for three. So we're at 24 to 19. Um, there was a very, very soft uh, defensive pass interference on the Packers. But not to worry, because the next play, the, the very next play, uh, Nixon picked off Mahomes. Uh, there was a love shove, um, but he took a very unadvised and kind of, you could kind of see the Sorry, what's inexperience. A love shove. A love shove. Uh, they did the, the, the tush push, the brotherly shove. Oh, the shove, bro- wow, I took a shove. I like, what the It was hell? a love shove. Because it's your Come on. I, I, that just sounds a little um, more, a little more, you know. It was, there was no love no shove. Other, so yeah, you said it was me. just Jordan Love being shoved in the butt. Um, <laughs> but yeah, took a took a bad sack that a more experienced quarterback wouldn't have done. Uh, they had to settle for three, and it made the field goal a lot harder than it needed to be. Uh, and this is where the, the fun begins. Um, there was an atrocious, uh, unnecessary roughness called on Mahomes when he was still in bounds. Absolutely diabolical call. Um, then Rishi Rice was down by contact, but initially ruled a fumble. Um, kind of the reverse to to the Broncos. It led to a scuffle. Pacheco ended up being ejected. Uh, the refs at this point were completely out of their depth. There was a, an egregious um, defensive pass interference on uh, MVS, just not given for some reason. He was basically manhandled off the ball. Uh, one of the worst call, missed calls in, in a while. And then even on the 
quote unquote Hail Mary. It was from the 33 yard line, so it's hardly a Hail Mary. Uh, but the, the last, pay, uh, last play, Kelsey got uh, a two handed shove in the back. Whether it would have mattered or not is interesting, but if you're not going to get DPI on those kind of plays, um, it was. It was a mess the, the last couple of uh, minutes from the refs, and they made it of their own doing. And it, like I say, it ruined what was a really good game. And the Packers, who have been on a steady increase, and Jordan Love himself, who's been on a steady increase, really sinking a dagger um, and kind of showing their availability for the playoffs. Uh, cool little stat Matt LaFleur, 16 and 0 in December. He is Mr. December. So the Packers are in contention, and if. <laughs> they carry on going uh, in December. They could end up causing a lot of trouble in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, as you say, they're six and six and in playoff contention. Ewan's really annoyed now. <clears throat> and Jordan Love, I've been down to Jordan Love this year, you know, but he he has looked better. Uh, and this game, he did play better. The, the the refs, yeah, at the end of that game, I I thought I've seen those given more often than not. Uh, particularly the one, the one on on Kelsey, but the one on on MVS was just yeah. You're like, I'll just tackle this guy off the ball. <laughs> like, I, I don't think you can do that. Um, but the refs didn't give it. So um, there was some interesting plays from this one, Dave. The Chiefs fall to Eaton Ford. Packers mm-hmm. are up to six and six. Um, mm-hmm. There's been some rumblings for a wee while now about Kansas City not looking sort of as good as we've expected. But Jordan Love and the Packers in general have looked a little better than expected, especially early on this year, where Love went through a really rough patch. He had that one game against Chicago uh, to open the season and then really didn't look particularly good. But over the past couple of weeks, he started to play better. And as Jake mentioned, Packers right back in playoff contention. What do you think? I mean, they were really putting the ball into his hands as well because um, he had 36 attempts in the game compared to RB number one in this game, AJ Dillon, who only had 18 carries. So two of every three plays, they're trusting Jordan Love to execute them. Execute them, And I mean, let, let's not be around the bush. He, out, he played much better than Patrick Mahomes, uh, which is something that he, will, he, he can then say. Uh, I mean, when it's all said and done, there's a very good chance we're going to say Patrick Mahomes was the best ever. That there's there's a very very good chance that uh, we're gonna we're gonna be seeing that at the end of his career. Uh, so Jordan Love can notch that onto his bucket list, which is fantastic for him. Chiefs, uh, I mean, yeah, there, there's there's a few rumblings. Um, their offensive line isn't quite as good as what it was. Isaiah Pacheco had a brilliant game right up until he tried to punch the Packers player. Uh, that was. Um, well, that, that I mean, that's his own fault. Let's be honest. He, there ha, he he's been very vocal um, in the past twelve months as well as Pacheco in uh, various situations. But uh, I think trying to punch Keyshawn Nixon was just utter stupidity. So maybe a little bit maturing, and he can progress from there. You're right. There's something not right in Kansas City. Um, Andy Reid is he he will get get a handle on it. Um, but I think the main takeaway is that the Chiefs are finally beaten with Taylor Swift in attendance. <laughs> um, can't argue with the facts. That's very true. Yeah, exactly, so, yeah. We, well, I'm going to move on. We come to the final game, uh, the Monday night game between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Jacksonville Jaguars at Everbank Stadium in front of 67,951 fans. And as we all know, Jake Browning was coming in 
as quarterback for the Bengals. Uh, Joe Butter was out, and we said it. Their season's over. There's no Joe Butter. There's no chance. Uh, but it's the power of the Jake. Once again, Jake. It's the power of the Jakes. I'm t- my, my fantasy team next year is looking good. It certainly is. Because, oh my word, Jake Browning played an absolute baller of a game and the Bengals come out with a 34-31 win. And I think, did we all pick the Jags to win this game? Pretty sure it was a blowout. Yeah. Of course we did. Of course we did. Yeah. It, wasn't even, it wasn't even up for debate. No, of course it wasn't. And I, 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 I think, again, I might have cursed a team by picking them. So, Patrick, I apologise again. Um... But yeah, Dave, this was your game. Bengals, mm. Jags, who saw this coming? Because anyone who says they did is lying. No, exactly. And it was one of only th- one of three. Uh, I mean, it was one of three games that I had. The f- two were utter, utter garbage. But this one was a good way to round off the week um, because Jake Browning and almost he, he's. I don't think he's going to play a better game. In his entire career, uh, I think Jake Browning has peaked. Uh, even though I think he's pretty sure he's a rookie, so I think he's already peaked. And this is the best game he's ever going to play. Uh, it's all Jake. downhill from here. There you go. It's, it, he's absolutely. not a rookie. He's he, he's just bounced around for like four or five years. He's that's he's, he's, it, it's, he's, you know it's even more depressing. Gino, yeah, but I mean he's potentially a Gino in the making because you know he's he's sat he's sitting behind Joe Burrow, who we know is one of the best quarterbacks in the entire league. Uh, but he's put he's put in a massive performance here against Jacksonville, and do you know what? This game had a lot as well. Uh, the the Bengals thirty four thirty one victors after overtime, and it was it was deserved. I mean, it was it was another offensive masterclass. Um, we'll go through go through some of the scoring though. Uh, first quarter pretty bland. There was a couple little moments here and there, but uh, the only thing was a, a Jacksonville touchdown. Uh, Travis Etienne uh, with the run. 7-0 on the board. Come into the second quarter, though. Joe Mixon, who played a big part. He didn't get a huge amount of yards uh, within the game. He was 19 carries for 68 yards, but the yardage that he did get were vital, um, which is what you always want from a running back. You don't want the the, the yardage uh, without the actual um, specific moments uh, to count. But Joe Mixon, six-yard run, finishing off a fantastic drive. Um, before six minutes later, Evan Ingram, 22-yard pass from Trevor Lawrence. Uh, putting them 14-7 up and then with just a minute to go uh, the Bengals marched down the field Jamar Chase will had a massive catch in this one and Joe Mixon runs in from two yards so uh, 14-14 going in at half time you knew it was going to be set up for an exciting uh, second half and oh boy did Jamar Chase turn up Jamar Chase 76 yard touchdown pass and it was just it was a brilliant throw and Chase just doing what he does showing why he is one of the top wide receivers uh, in the entire league, sec- second, well, even third to only Cooper Cup and Pukunakua. But uh, yeah, so that that's how the uh, second half started. Um, before the Jaguars came back with Parker Washington, a 14 t- 14-yard touchdown pass from Trevor Lawrence. We get 21 all before Trevor Lawrence with a one-yard run. And I say what one-yard run it was. It was a tush push. Uh, and uh, to make it 28-21, going into the fourth quarter, uh, before Jake Browning had his own tush push for a one-yard touchdown. So not only uh, did he have the game of his life, he then ran in technically, sort of. Do, do, we, have a, do we have a name for that one? The Jake uh, Shake and Bake? Uh, the Duke. Uh, Jake, Jake Cake? Jake, Jake, Jake Cake. 
<laughs> oh, the browning shove. Shall we? <laughs> don't, don't, that sounds shove. worse than the love shove. <laughs> Good lord. The browning shove. That, uh, that's 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 what it's going to be known as now. The browning shove. Um, browning cake but, shove. The browning cake shelf that that doesn't really help. Uh, that, <laughs> that, that, that's just still. Cool. I, I think we we've gone here? past it. I, I, you know what? I think we need new hobbies. Absolutely. I, 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 yeah. I, I need. To, we need to take kind of take a step back and look at our lives at this point. Um, <laughs> that's a that's a dangerous thing for me to do. <laughs> yeah, I'm not doing that. You you're, you're on your <laughs> own there, pal. I won't be here next week, boys. <laughs> be my own support group at this point. That's what we could use this for. But. Um, yeah, so I mean, it was twenty eight twenty eight. It was twenty eight twenty eight up until just before two minute warning when Evan McPherson, fifty four yard field goal, fantastically done. Um, he, he had actually missed earlier. There's a doink in this game. We always love a doink, but McPherson hit the crossbar from fifty seven yards, but it, it never went in. It wasn't a do- it wasn't a kind of lion's doink where Tucker hits it for a record. It wasn't those kind of doinks off the crossbar, um, but. Then with Brandon McManus, a good kicker, a reliable kicker, Brandon McManus from 40 yards to make it 31-31 with 26 seconds to go, forcing it into overtime before a very eventful um, overtime, which was Trevor Lawrence-less because Trevor Lawrence was trampled on by his own offensive lineman uh, before trying to get up again. This is right at the end of the fourth quarter before trying to get up again. And all his weight could not go on that ankle, which is very disappointing before he was helped off the field, uh, very unfortunately. Um, there was also, a, in, in overtime though, there was a 40-yard completion from uh, CJ Beathard and it was, t- it was called back for a holding call. And it, 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 by, the, by the letter of law, it was a holding call. But still, you've, uh, it's, it's a little bit of a soft one. And obviously, instead of a 40-yard gain uh, to probably about the 5 or the 10-yard of the Bengals in overtime, that's a big, big one to make. Uh, so that pegged them back, and they couldn't get that before the Bengals marched down the field with Jake Browning to set up the field goal for Evan McPherson with 145 left in overtime. And he kicks it through from 48 yards. For the win, a walk-off field goal. Boom! The Bengals not quite down and out, but the Jaguars stuttering, stuttering horrifically. Uh, and just a quick couple of takeaways from the game: um, Tyler Boyd on the box score, he reads zero for one. However, he's not only zero for one; he's got one pick, and that pick was one of the most ridiculous plays I've ever seen because it was supposed to be a trick play where he then throws it across the other side, probably to Jamar Chase. However, not even close. I think it reached about halfway across the field uh, before it went to Josh Allen, who had one of the best games, and he's just getting better. Uh, As one Josh Allen is elevating, one is kind of stuck in, well, Buffalo, uh, to be honest. (laughs) It's maybe a bit harsh. But yeah, Josh Allen uh, in this game, seven tackles, one and a half sacks, one pick as well. Uh, I, he had a brilliant game for uh, Jacksonville, but um, yeah, unreal from Jake Browning, and he is definitely he was definitely player of this game. He was thirty two or thirty seven uh, for three hundred and fifty four yards, one TD, two sacks, one hundred and fifteen passer rating. So well done, Jake Browning. Bengals are six and six. 
Jake, uh, Dave's coverage of these games is like a serpentine odyssey, isn't it? <laughs> I watch every minute of my games, right? I am making it kind of... I mean, you, you just... really did. I've got nothing to add. Jake, do you have anything to add about this game? Uh, yes, it's uh, the first road Monday night football win since 1990 for the Bengals. They had lost nine in a row. Uh the Jaguars really beat themselves, it felt like. Um, mm. There's some depressing irony in the, the fact that your player was the one to injure the face of the franchise. Um, losing Kirk on literally the first play. Oh, um, nice. Missing a, a field goal, um, a very makeable field goal. Um, and the, one of the notes I had whilst watching the game was, wow, I'm really liking the Bengals' play calls. They, they, they helped Jake Brown in, they you know, schemed things open, and then I immediately scrubbed that out when I saw the Tyler Boyd uh, interception. Cause <laughs> yes. that, although he never should have thrown it, was an ugly play design as it was, but then the fact he threw it, and like Josh Allen couldn't believe his luck of just being like, what? Straight what are you at doing? him. Yeah, straight <laughs> at him. It was like Cam Sutton esque where it was just straight at him. It, it, Josh al- Allen caught it. Almost like last year when, uh, was it not Jacoby Myers with the, the lateral play with New England when he threw it straight to Chandler oh, Jones? Oh, my God. <laughs> like, it was like, well, thanks yes. very much for that. I'll take that. Mm-hmm. Bizarre, bizarre situation. Uh, so, gentlemen, that wraps up our week 13 recap. So, gentlemen, before we do our uh, week 14 rapid fire preview, we do have our WinFL Awards. Jake McGee will start with you. Who is your offensive player of the week? Come on, you know it's coming. It's Jake Browning. He's going to be the leader of the Jake squad next year. Uh, 32 37, 354 yards, touchdown, 2 for 22, and a rushing touchdown. How could it not be? Yeah, it is Jake Browning. I mean, you can't. It's like the guy just had an incredible game and uh, I don't think anybody saw it coming um, against a very good defense. So absolutely Jake Browning for me. Dave? Are we going for a clean sweep? You bet we are. Jake Browning. I, I mean, I watched his entire play. His decision-making, uh, everything about his game was just brilliant. And yeah, I mean, he even got, even got two carries for 22 yards when he took off a couple of times. So yeah, and of course, he got a touchdown as well from the, from yeah. his Browning shove. I was going to... <laughs> that just does not sound <laughs> that's good. Sti- that's um, sticking. That's <laughs> I, I like the Jake Shake and Bake. I think that's that's a good one. Um, oh. Yeah, see, that that's a good one. I get on board. I, I was I was going to go with Debo, but then the Monday night game happened. I was like, yeah, you can't go against that. I was going to go with DK, and then... Yeah, I also had a great week. I yeah, have to go home. Three I, I have to go home. Uh, defensive player I mean, of the I week. I was going for... J- Oh, oh, sorry, I was sorry. Going to go for Joe Flacco. I was going to go for <laughs> Joe Flacco for mine. <laughs> for, for the best quarterback performance this year by the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, that, that's what it means. Exactly, yeah. Um, defensive player of the week, Jake McGee. Uh, I went for Antoine Winfield Jr. Mm. Eight tackles, had a sack, two tackles for loss, three passes, defense, and a game-sealing interception. Uh, yeah, he had a, a, a fantastic, fantastic game. Um, I've actually gone for Derek Stingley uh, with with the Texans. The man was all over. I was going, actually going to give it to Will Anderson, but uh, Derek Stingley, I mean, he, he won that game for the Texans, and uh, I'm going to give it to him. He, he looked spectacular in this game. Dave? Uh, I've also given it to Derek Stingley. He, he was just absolutely fantastic in this game. Mm. So, yeah, Derek Stingley. And finally, special teams slash defensive unit of the week, Jake McGee. Um, I feel bad not giving it to Indianapolis, 
but I didn't know who to give it in Indianapolis. So I decided to go to J.K. Scott um, and his punt coverage. He had eight punts, uh, one touchback, and the other seven all downed inside the 20. He had a long of 62, and the Patriots' average starting position was their own 13. Yeah, I can't actually argue with that. He was my pick as well. Uh, just spectacular. Spectacular. I think, did he not actually win AFC Special Teams Player of the Week? I think he did. Yeah, he was just... He was I would fantastic. be surprised if he didn't. Yeah. Dave, uh, any difference? Or do we have another clean sweep? No, no, no clean sweep here. Uh, I've given it to Cameron Dick of the Kicker for saving me from a nil-nil shutout. So that's a personal <laughs> award for, for for me. So Cameron Dick of the Kicker for beating the Patriots single-handedly. Well, there you go. Anytime you can um, supply 100% of your team's points, that's pretty good. <laughs> so, gentlemen, we are now coming to our um, Week 14 Rapid Fire Preview. And we start with the Thursday night game, New England Patriots, Pittsburgh Steelers. I've got the Steelers winning this one. I think it's going to be a really bad game. Again, the Patriots on Thursday night. Um, I've got Steelers winning up 13-3. to Yeah, the, I was talking to you about this. I, I would really love to know what the, the lowest over-under is of recent times. It's at 29 and a half. Uh, I've got the Steelers winning 16-10. to uh, yeah, me and Jake actually have the same score. It's just going to be pitiful. I've got the Steelers also winning by 16 points to 10. We then have the Jacksonville Jaguars traveling to take on the Cleveland Browns. Uh, and I think the Jaguars get back on track with this one, although it's going to be very close for win. 23-21 to the Jags. Jags, I'm very sorry, Patrick. I have the Browns winning 20-17. to I thought I was um, kind of out my own here, but I've also got the Browns winning. Uh, I, I, I think it's actually going to be another um, a low-scoring one as well because uh, we're not sure about Trevor Lawrence. It's a very good chance that he's going to be out. Um, and CJ Beathard, he had good moments, but at the same time, he looked a bit of a liability at times when he was taking off. So I'm going to uh, make it a 19-16 win for the Browns. Then have the Carolina Panthers traveling to New Orleans. Take on the Saints, Jake. And I'm taking your Saints again. Um, but it's going to be a close one. I've got the Saints winning this one by a score of 26-24. Yeah, well, the Saints are going to win by default because the Panthers are so bad. And if not, I might not make the podcast next week. 15-13, um, <laughs> the Saints. Oh. Uh, same gap, but slightly higher, higher scoring for me. I've gone for Saints wins, 24 to 22, but the Panthers push them all away. We have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers traveling to take on the Falcons in Atlanta, and I've got the Buccaneers coming away in another close game, 24 23. Ooh, I'm with you. I've got the Bucs winning 24 21. Well, I've actually gone for a Falcons win. I think it's going to be 21 points to 20 for the Falcons. We then have the Houston Texans traveling to take on the New York Jets. I've got the Texans winning this one. A fairly handily, actually. They're going to put up a few points in the Jets. Um, and I've got them winning this one by a score of 26 to 13. Yeah, at least one of my teams will definitely win this week. The Texans, 20 to 9. Oh, well, we've both got 9 for the Jets. I've got 14 for the Texans. I think it's going to be a very low-scoring game. And just to point out that the uh, the handicap is Houston only get three and a half points head start. So mm. that's an interesting one there. 
So it is. We then have the NFC North matchup between the Detroit Lions and the Chicago Bears. And I've got the Lions winning this one, but another close game. It seems to be the theme of this one. I've got the Detroit Lions winning this one by a score of 21 to 19. I've got the Lions winning quite comfortably, 27 to 13. Hmm. Ooh, I, I've, I've got 30 points to 17 for the Lions, but a clean sweep. We then have your Rams, Dave, traveling to take on the Baltimore Ravens. And I'm sorry, but I am taking the Ravens. Um, but it's going to be a, another close game. I've got it winning 27-21. Yeah, I do have it close. I have the Rams covering, um, but yeah, in, in the end, I did go the Ravens 24 to 20. Yeah, Ravens are getting a seven and a half point head start, but I, I'm going to keep the faith. I, th- I think that I think the Rams can run them really close, and I think I, I mean I've, I'm, I've got no faith in the score I'm about to say, but I'm going to say it's going to be twi- <laughs> twenty six points to twenty three to the Rams. I, I have no issues with you picking your Rams, pal. We then have the Indianapolis <laughs> the Indianapolis Colts <laughs> traveling to take on the Cincinnati Bengals, and I think the Bengals win it. I think Jake Browning wins another game for the Bengals at home against the Colts. Um, but it's not going to go uh, last second again. They're actually going to win this one by 10 points, 30 to 20. Well, I've got a, I've got a nail by a 21 to 20. Mm. But I've got faith in Jake. Bengals win. I'm going to say it's going to be an offensive masterclass from both sides. So I'm going to go for 37 points to 35 win for the Bengals. For Oof. Jake Browning to win again. We then have the Minnesota Vikings traveling to take on the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, I think this will be a low scoring affair. And I've got the Vikings sneaking it in overtime 19 to 16. Uh, I've got the Vikings also kind of sneaking it. Not quite overtime, but 26 to 24. I, I think you're optimistic with the scores, both of you. I, I've got this as a very low-scoring game here. Um, I'm, 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 go, I'm going to go against the Raiders just because I have no faith in them whatsoever as an, an organization. The Vikings are going to scrape it uh, by 16 points to 14. Don't ask me how I got the scores. I won't. Uh, we then have the Seattle Seahawks traveling to San Francisco to take on the 49ers. And I've got the 49ers absolutely blowing them apart. Um, it's going to be 49 to 17. I am completely opposite. Well, not completely opposite because I have the Niners winning. Um, but I've been relatively high on the Seahawks. Uh, their defense is good. I think their offense is okay. Um, they run teams close. They've got a, a brutal schedule. Sadly, I have them come up just short, 30-27. to 27. Ugh, I don't care. Um, I, I think, <laughs> I, I, I for, for, for the point of the Rams, uh, I, I think, I, I kind of hope the 49ers win. Uh, I am going to back them here. I think it's going to be uh, 31 points to 24. Then the Denver Broncos traveling to take on the Los Angeles Chargers. And I've got my Broncos winning, of course I do. But I've actually got them winning big for a change. No more close games than the Broncos Ooh. this week. Because uh, I think the Chargers... Uh, do you know what? I'm changing my score. Hang on. I'm changing it. <laughs> because <laughs> oh, improv. I, improv. I was minute. going to say the Chargers can't catch any passes. But then I remember this is the Broncos they're playing. So now, this week, they're all going to catch everything Justin Herbert throws at them. Still got my Broncos winning, but it's going to be 37-35. Well, I've got the Broncos winning 33-25. to 
Nice. I think I think it's going to be a bit of a low-scoring one. And going into this game, the Chargers are the favourites, a three-point favourite uh, in this one. But I'm picking. I'm going for a clean sweep. I think the Broncos will win this one. I think it's going to be a lot, a, a lot more less, uh, less scoring this one. I think the Broncos are going to win twenty points to nineteen. Ooh, close. Now the Buffalo Bills yeah. traveling to take on the Kansas City Chiefs, and I've got the Chiefs winning this one. Another close game, though, with the Chiefs winning late uh, with a score of thirty-three to twenty-nine. Uh, I've got there a bit more comfortable, thirty-eight twenty-four. Well, the um, bookmakers can barely separate these two it's one and a half points uh, head start for, uh, for the bills um but i i think it is going to be an, another offensive masterclass. um but i'm picking the bills to win this one and i think it's going to be 31 wow. points to 28 uh, sorry was that 31 yeah 31 28 31 28 oh, yeah nice one we then have the philadelphia eagles traveling to take on the dallas cowboys and i was going to take the cowboys but I'm changing it. I'm going to take the Eagles. I've just got a funny feeling that the Eagles are going to sneak this one. Um, and I've got them winning this one by a score of 27-25. I'm conflicted. I am conflicted. Me and I am also going to change mine. I had the Eagles winning 31-28 uh, yeah, after overtime. But I've realized the error of my ways. This is at Jerry's world. The Cowboys can't lose. So they're going to win 31-28 after overtime. That's why, that's why I was going to take the Cowboys, because they're at home. And then I thought, I don't know. It's got a feeling. Feeling about the Eagles. Dave, what do you got? I've got, I've got a feeling as well. I'm going for it. <laughs> We've <laughs> all got, got a feeling. Yeah, I've got a feeling. But I'm going for Dallas. I think the Cowboys will take this. I think it's going to be very, very close. So uh, it's about... Maybe not quite as high scoring as you guys. So I'm going for 27 points to 24 for the Cowboys. Mm. Then the Green Bay Packers taking on the New York Giants. And I think the Packers continue to improve at the expense of the New York Giants. And I've got them winning this one handily by a score of 28 to 12. Just four field goals for the Giants. <laughs> I've got the, the Giants improving to a big 14 points. Uh, but the Packers put up 24 no, no. Let let let's let's just switch up a little bit. Have some faith in Mr. DeVito because I think the Giants are going to win. I Shut think the Giants going to beat the Packers. It's more a blind faith that I want the Giants to win this one for the sake of the Rams playoff push. Uh, but I, you know what? I'm go, I'm going to go one better. I think not only are the Giants going to score four field goals, I think they're going to score a touchdown as well. And then the kicker's going to miss it. So they're going to get 18 points to the Packers, 16 points. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it's, going to be, it's going to be a classic, classic primetime game. It is. For the wrong reasons. And then we <laughs> the have the uh, second of the Monday night games, which is the Tennessee Titans at the Miami Dolphins. Dolphins are going to absolutely crush them in this one. They might stop playing again at halftime like they've done before, but I've still got them putting them on 40 points, 48 to 16 to the Dolphins. Uh, I've gone slightly, slightly more generic and boring. Uh, Twenty-seven, seventeen to the Dolphins. Ooh, I, I've gone thirty-two points to fifteen for the Dolphins. I just think the Titans are just not good enough. 
And that ends our week 14 rapid fire preview. So, gentlemen, we come to our final segment, and it is, of course, random stats. Random stats. Um, why don't I go first? I feel like it's a while since I went first in my random stats. Uh, my random stat concerns both of your teams. Oh, oh, yes. oh dear. Uh, Dave. <laughs> That's probably, and you said, you, you did tell me, actually, that it was historic, so this is not going to be good for me. Uh, not, not at all, not at all. Uh, Dave, um, are you aware mm. that there is a defensive player for your Los Angeles Rams who goes by the name of Aaron Donald? You heard of this guy? <laughs> uh, it, it, it might it might be a relation of the guy I've got on, on the back of my jersey so yes might possibly be, might be so uh, Aaron Donald in 2018 led the league with 20 and a half sacks surprise surprise yeah pretty good um, it's the first time in his career that he's led the league in sacks um, now on one on one side you might go well that's quite surprising he's only he's only led the league once uh, but on the other hand on the other hand, it's extraordinarily surprising that he led the league in sacks for one simple reason. Aaron Donald is the f- in 2018 when he led the league with 20 and a half sacks became the first player since the year 2000 to lead the league in sacks and not be an edge rusher. He's the defensive tackle. Mm-hmm. The last defensive tackle to lead the league in sacks was in the year 2000 and he was Leroy Glover who played for the New Orleans Saints he made six Pro Bowls one All-Pro he was in Hall of Fame All-2000s team Uh, he actually played his first year with Oakland uh, and he was then traded to the Saints in 1997 Um, 1998 he was second team All-Pro in the year 2000 he led the league with 17 sacks he was named second in uh, defensive player of the year he was first team all pro um he then made second team all pro two more times and he made six straight pro bowls he also went to dallas played a few years in dallas finished off his career three years in st louis uh but yeah Leroy glover uh, i'm assuming that's how it's pronounced it's l-a apostrophe r-o-i Leroy, i think glover um, led the league in sacks in the year 2000, and he was the only, he was the last defensive interior lineman to lead the league in sacks until Aaron Donald did it in 2018. And that is my random stat. I remember Leroy Glover because he was on, he was one of the main guys on the early days of Madden, uh, on the Madden game. So he was one of the one of the best defensive lineman guy guys mm-hmm. on there. So yep. I'll have to say uh, all, but, all Hall of Fame, all 2000s team. Leroy Glover. Yeah, and yeah, it's just a very good performance. But obviously, uh, I, I mean, uh, I'm not even going to. Uh, I can talk about Aaron Donald for the entire podcast. So yeah, uh, let's not do him. that. Let, let, let's not at all. do that. Oh my goodness! Uh, who wants to go oh, next? We absolutely should. Who wants to go for next? Jake? 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 Do you want to go next? Oh, Jake? Okay. Well. Oh, okay. Well, I was very nervous because I put. I, I said to to Neil, so my random start this week was not one of my best. It's so bait that I thought it might come up, and then when Dave started talking, I was really nervous. Um, well, my random start is that the Patriots are the first team to lose three straight games despite allowing ten or fewer points since the Chicago Cardinals, who did it four straight back in nineteen thirty eight. 
1938. Yes. The Chicago oh. Cardinals. That's how long ago it was. I know when I, Bill Belichick was born. <laughs> I know I, di- I didn't pick for the Patriots to lose by scoring, you know, other teams scoring 10 points the next game, but oh, that's, that's a piece of history that needs to happen. <laughs> oh my word. Wow. That's, that's a impressive. Yeah. Shall I step up to the plate? Might as well, Dave. What's your let's random Let's go. Start? Let's end, let's end it because uh, I have one of our favorite types, obviously. It's a scoregami this week. So we got okay. another one. The 1,082nd unique final score in NFL history. And do you know where it was? 45 to 15. The Dolphins beating the Commanders. Mm. It, w- it was the 1,082nd unique final score in NFL history. However, we had two other uh, unique scores. I say unique, not quite. But we had two closer gammies, which And that <laughs> is defined as two scores... Or those a score that has only happened once before. Now the first one was the Atlanta Falcons thirteen, the New York Jets eight. No score, Gammy. That score happened one time before on September twenty fifth, twenty eleven. However, game number two, the Cleveland Browns and Joe Flacco lost thirty six points to nineteen to the LA Rams. Now, that happened one other time in history, October 9th, 1988. Now, let's quickly take you back to October 9th, 1988, to that game that it happened, where it was the New York Jets at the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals won by 36 points to 19. Now, cast your mind back to the 1988 season. What happened in that year? I love, I love that the he's saying that Bengals. to you, Jake, as if you remember <laughs> the 1988 season. Yeah, I, 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 yes, obviously it must be to Jake that yes. we. I, I, remember, I, the 1988 I remember the 1988 <laughs> season. Yeah, it's easy, yes, but I remember you, it. So, what happened in that year? The team that won that game by 36 points, 19, was the Cincinnati Bengals, and who got to the Super Bowl? That's Cincinnati, Cincinnati Bengals. Bengals. Yes. We don't need to talk about what happened in the Super Bowl, uh, especially who they, they were up against. Uh, definitely wasn't any other uh, team in the same division as the Rams, but we'll, we'll very quickly gloss over that. But all I'm saying is, if there's going to be a close agami, just like there was in 1988, that there was that unique score, could it be that the Rams... Sneak into the wild cards. Dave, that is come. reaching <laughs> so hard. Look, My I, I, I am just putting the, just planting that seed. I'd like to point out that like in, 19, darkness. in 1988, <laughs> like the Bengals had the number one offense in the entire league. So I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, I'm just seeing different, we, we, different. Okay. Oh, for, all right. All right. I'll know. take your point and I'll raise you. Whether I'm bluffing or not, you can call me out on it. But we have the best rookie wide receiver. We have 
Yeah, that's about it. So anyway, that's where the comparisons <laughs> stop. That's, that's where the comparisons stop. But, you know, we can all live in hope, okay? Do not kill my dream. The Rams have a chance of getting to the Super Bowl this year, but one score gammy this week, two closer gammies, which I, I'm keeping that term. Uh, I, I'm going to trademark mark that term. Not sure if someone else has got it. Probably a lot of people. But anyway, two un- well, one unique score, two games with the same scoreline that have only happened once before. It's a random stat. It's fun. And the Rams are going to the Super Bowl, clearly, based on this evidence. It's, it's a very random stat, Dave. Um, and the Rams do have a chance to make it to the Super Bowl. All they need to do is get into the playoffs and beat all the other teams. Including the foreigners. If they play them. Who may or may not have won that 1980. That, that, they did. Yeah, that, anyway, <laughs> they may have. They yeah, did. There's, I, I, I John, John Taylor with 34 <laughs> seconds to go for the winning touchdown. It was a great game. Um, but thank you for the random stat. I appreciate that. <laughs> Gentlemen, we're, we're done. We're done. That's <laughs> thank us. you for the confidence. <laughs> I, I, listen, the Rams could make the Super Bowl. It's a possibility. It's just highly unlikely. That's all. It's, wow. it's just unlikely. The Broncos could make the Super Bowl. It's just really unlikely. The Saints could make the Super Bowl. The Bucks on the Falcons can technically make the Super Bowl. <laughs> the Bucks on the Falcons. The Cardinals are not out of it yet. Exactly. So the Cardinals, the Cardinals make could it. make the Super Bowl. Ain't unlikely, but it yeah. could happen. <laughs> anyway, gentlemen, uh, we'll wrap it up there. Um, next week, we have our, I'm going to get it right this time, we have our Week 14 Recap. Followed by week 15 rapid fire um, preview. We will also have everyone fellow awards and, of course, random stats. It has been a pleasure, as always, gentlemen. Uh, Dave, thank you very much. Thank you, as always. Uh, Jake, thank you very much. Always a pleasure. And we will see you on next week's edition of the Winner Show. <laughs>